Diddly dum dum, British Strongman podcast. So today we have the honour of having Dale McPherson on, aka 3D, 3D Strength, aka World's Strongest Charver. Is that right? Yeah, that's a fact, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, so f- first of all, I'd like to say that I'm, uh, well, I'm, I, f- I feel privileged to be speaking to both of you two guys, actually, because you, for me, like you're both like massive inspirations to me as a as a lightweight as somebody who's obsessed with strongman and getting getting better and competing in the sport and trying to push myself to get as good as I can um and coaching people who do and stuff like you two guys for me being a similar body weight to me like doing the some of the lifts that you're doing is just fucking absolutely brilliant for me and really gives me fire so what what did you do the other day the deadlift day it was 382 for two was it yeah that was on that was on plan to do that um but to be fair beforehand i've only i've not maxed the deadlift in a in a fuck me a long time maybe a year or so so that's my biggest deadlift today it was uh 380 from the floor so when i seen i had to do it for two i um I didn't really think about it because everyone's been going well. About three months ago, I'd done 360 for free without a suit, no belt, a pair of straps. So I know I knew it was there, but so I've got 400 planned for next week. So that's 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 that's, that's got me into it spot on. Now I'm feeling I'm ready that, for that. Was that raw, the 380? The 380 wasn't raw. 382 for two wasn't raw. The 360 for three about three months ago was. Okay. So I, that, that was the target. I built up, I always build a really strong raw base before I put my suit on. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that sort of stuff because I generally do believe like raw power is the way forward and like your suits, like your sleeves and things like that. It's just like, added extras you can have, you know what I mean? So, and then like the next time I do like a build up again, I'll make sure I pull like the 380 for reps before I put a suit back on again. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you like try and try and hit, hit what you got last time in the suit raw before you put a suit yeah. on. Yeah, like, basically. So like a year after I pulled that like 360 for the four times body weight thing, and then, like a year on later, I pulled pulled it for free without a suit on raw. Do you know what I mean? Dump straps because I don't want my biceps to fall off. But yeah, so that, that's what that's that's how I like to feel it because I used to max out a lot when I was younger. Whereas I'm a, I'm 29 now and I can't fucking do it. You know what I mean? I fall a bits for weeks. So I like to. I found I've started adding more reps to my training regime. If I'm honest with you, so I like I like rep PBs and stuff. Even if it is two or three, I don't really care as long as. Some kind of progression is a lot of progression to me, even if it's one point whatever kilo each side of the bar, it's all progression. I like I like tiny little things that are like I'm a little bit weird like that, but I'm not like a plate counter either. I like I can have like weird plates on, I don't really give a fuck, they have to be the same in that. Yeah. yeah. No, you deadlift, you got like fucking all these random plates on and they're, they're ten in the middle and all this shit. I'm like, you fucking tripping me out with your plate order. <laughs> yeah, some people don't like that sort of stuff though, as I'm a bother to shove it on. Whereas, like, for example, I, t- I take really big jumps when I did this. So, like, I went from, I went, what did I do? I done hundreds, 200, th- 320. Fucking 380. hell. <laughs> You're fucking mad. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't do, um, I don't just work up play by play when I deadlift. Like, I, I don't, right. I've never, I've done it. I go, I, I take big jumps. I've never, I've never heard anyone that before. Um, so, what, how many reps you do at, like, so say 200 to 320, would you just do one set of 200 or? Well, I'd do one set of just two reps normally, yeah. And then you go 320, you're fucking mad. Yeah, I do. I, I, that's how it's always worked for me. I remember when when we first went into lockdown the first time round, I done like 
a 300 kilo deadlift challenge for, I don't know, 32 days in total. Fucking hell. With no belt and all that sort of stuff. And that literally started off with me working the way up. I was getting that sore. I just went, some days I'd just come straight in, put 140 on and I put 300 straight on afterwards as well. I'd just go straight in. No right. matter what, what happens, then I just get it done. And then, to be fair, ever since then, I've just sort of stuck to it and it's been all right. But if it was squats, I'm the complete polar opposite. Can't do it. Can't do it. I have to go really slow on squats and things because, like, I'm naturally not a very good squatter. I can push some decent weight out, but I'm not a good squatter at yeah. all. I can relate to that. It takes, it takes me ages to get my knees feeling like they, like just doing bodyweight squats fucking hurt, hurts my knees. So I have to fucking take ages building up. Oh mate, I wrap my knees after about five plates. Me like fuck that. I'm straight on with that. I don't. I don't like knee pain. Like push press fucks me on, like really yeah. bad, really bad. Yeah. Like if, if I do a heavy push press or a heavy log press or something, oh god, you're talking like two or three weeks. I'll feel that, and it feels like someone's got hold of my knees and there's just loads of pressure in them. And it hurts going down the stairs. That's what I mean about not going too heavy all the time. They've got a little bit older because these things last like they've gone from lasting two days to two weeks. And I physically can't do it. So, like, I could be set up for a deadlift and I can't squat down enough because my knees are hurting. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Or doing yeah, yeah. a yoke and my fucking knees I can are relate, relate, relate to that massively. Um, nice. So you hit, what, 175 log the other day, didn't you, with uh, Stoltman's? That, that's a PB, isn't it? That was... That was um, I was only meant to go in and do 120, but then they told me the log was 140 empty. So I was like, oh, this is fucking fun. And then my mate Lee Forbes was with <laughs> us and they just started laughing at me. I thought, all right, then... Wait there, your, uh, your connection Five the week before, and I'll be honest with you, I had an absolute stinker. Mine has. Yeah. Near me? Down a little bit. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, right, all right, yeah. Yeah, 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 I can hear you now, yeah. What did, yeah. What did you say you hit for five? Pardon? What did you say you hit for five the week before? Um. Oh, on the log? Yeah. No, he said he missed 175. Oh, he missed 175. All I right, missed right. 175 the week before. I just couldn't. I'm a bit weird, me. I've got a bit of a routine where, like, if I'm going to train at 12 o'clock and someone fucks me about and I'm fucked for an hour, my head goes a little bit funny. I've got I'm I'm quite routiney when it comes to my own training schedule. Yeah, and, like I don't like I don't like being thrown off. Like I won't train past three o'clock to this point. This bit I'm a bit weird. I don't I can't understand why I'm just like it. I get like I get anxious. Um, so I just had a little bit of a stinker, if I'm honest with you. Nothing would go right. I couldn't. Do you know when you clean the log and you just can't get underneath it fast enough, and then all your air's fucked. You're gone. Yeah. yeah. That's what was happening. And I literally, I was going lightheaded. I was falling over. Whereas like the week before, and it was like a fucking piece of piss. And then a week later, I went up there and I just had a fucking blinder, if I'm honest with you. I, I think that was something to do with fucking. Um, I don't know. Training with like Luke and that, they just fucking get you going a bit. You know what I mean? And it's sometimes. Being took, I like being took out my own environment and being made uncomfortable. I, I generally prefer, like, I think I perform better when I'm, I feel uncomfortable. Not uncomfortable, yeah. um, on, on the spot, that's it. On the spot. Yeah. So you, you hit a good 175 yesterday, Shane. Fucking well impressed with that, mate. Yeah, feel, feel fucked today. I need about three weeks off now. Back's absolutely paggered. It's the clean for me, because when I strip log, I don't go on my tiptoes. I kind of clean like Dale does. I lean back a lot, and I've got to end in this bent position where I get like incline. Yeah, that's how I do it. I get loads of power, and uh, as the weight gets heavier, 
it pushes me back more. <laughs> and uh, every time I go up, it's like a new experience of like fucking back snap. So I wake up in the morning and like my lower back and traps, like I don't feel the press. It's weird. It's just the clean. If, I, if my clean goes all right, I feel like I'll press it. It's weird. So what, what about one of those things, isn't it? Is you, can, you can build a lot of tension with it. I really feel like when you do a strict log, you can kind of pull it really on your chest, nice and tight, and then use like a big slingshot effect. It's weird. When, yeah, when, well, I, uh, it when I get it right, when I get it perfect, it feels faster off my chest than a push press. Mm, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm like, why is that fucking happening? Um, so that's why I've stuck with it for a bit, because uh, usually, I, usually I peak me strict and then start using my legs. And I thought... Well, usually I peak me strict and then add gear in and then peak me push. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep going with the strict this time and that feels better for some reason. So, yeah. I suppose Hicksy's a bit like that though, isn't he? Like, his strict press is fucking mental. Do you know what I mean? Where did he get a 220 log strict press, wasn't it? Yeah, but this is the thing. He's, he's more consistent with his strict press as well. Like, in comps, he's chucked it behind his head when he uses his legs and all this and... When he stricts, he's much more stable. It's like he's almost, he's almost similar weights, but more consistent strict. Um, and I think at Europe's as well, when they were outside, everybody was struggling with the slippy floor and looking at the sky because it throws you off. But when you're strict, you're a bit, you're just planted, aren't you? It doesn't really matter what's going on around you. And I think that's why Hicksy, I think he was the only one to go over 200, I think. He was, yeah, he was, yeah. I think a lot of people go wrong with that, you know. Do you know when you when you compete outside, people forget to train push pressing and like overhead pressing outside, and it's completely different animal that pressing outside, completely and utterly different. Yeah, if you train with a low ceiling height and you're used to looking at the ceiling, and then you've got the fucking sky, <laughs> you just feel like you're going to fall over, don't you? It's, it's. I remember my first log for reps outside cleaning it and it was something I should have been able to do like 10 at but after I cleaned it I was walking around for like five minutes trying to get still then pressing it and then I was like right clean it it took me about three reps to get my like proper reception right to be able to stand still because I've never it's been gash. it's absolutely gash I hate it so a question for you both here while we're on this topic um so will, will we see 200 being broken sub 100 body weight yes like, yeah from you both do you think you both will do it Yes. Yeah. It's class. I think I'll do it, but I think I'll be on 100 key. <clears throat> I, I personally think sub, sub 100, I would say between 100 and 105. I'll be honest with you. I'm sitting at 101 today. Um, I've, I've fluctuated between 100 and 103 the past three weeks. I've never been over to get over 100 kilo apart from the past month and hold it. But what I'll end up doing is I'll end up going up the way I'm at and then coming back down, getting leaner, and then putting a bit more tissue back on. So a solid 100, 105, yes, 1 million percent. This year, no. Next year, possibly. But within the next two years, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's what I would say. I, I think, I've said, I've said this to myself, I think I'm going to hit 180 this year, maybe 185. But then I'm I'm sat at 95 in the morning and I'm like 98 at night. 
and I think I'll need to do a, a, a another block of training, try and put on some more size, and then maybe peak the log again, and I'll maybe get a one ninety or something. If, if all, if, no injuries and stuff as well, obviously, because that fucking adds time, doesn't it? And then I'd have to do another block of adding weight. So I, yeah, I was thinking like next year one ninety, maybe the year after, pushing for it. Um, but it's um, for me, it's the fucking clean. So I need to. Uh, I feel I genuinely feel like I can press one ninety, one ninety five strict. It feels fucking easy. Like it's ridiculous. But I can't. Like I failed. I tried one eighty two after the uh, one seven five. Just couldn't clean it. So uh, yeah, I need to. I need to work on that. But I'm not really sure. It's a hard one because it's just heavy. You know what I mean? It's not like I can do something to fix it. It's just I need to keep getting a bit stronger. Log's one of those things, isn't it? It's, I think body weight does help with the clean. There's absolutely no doubt about it, especially when you're holding it on your chest as well. I think having that little bit extra weight just gives you that little bit more trunk stability. Yeah. That tiny bit more. I tell you what, a lot of stuff I've been doing to work on, this sort of stuff, it sounds fucking mental, right? I've been doing a lot of like single leg Romanians, single leg work and really focusing and driving with my big toe planted in the floor. Um, I just generally believe the more force you can put through your big toe from the center of the, from the center of your body, you stay a lot more planted. It sounds ridiculous, I know, and I'm sorry if I'm talking a lot of no, shit. No, no, no. I, I definitely agree. But I generally believe if you've got that center point and everyone's dug into the floor and you're a lot more stable from the floor going upwards, these little tiny one percentages are really making a difference. Yeah. And it, and I generally do believe, I'm not big on this whole, right, I've just started training Barry for Bolton Strongest Monster here. I know what I'm going to do. I'm making him do a load, load of bilateral transfer work, get him to go on a Swiss ball and do a log because it's going to help me with stabilisation. I'm yeah. not into all that shit. But I do generally believe when you start getting right up, where, up there with the top end weights on a world-class level, Little tiny one percent make a massive difference to your overall lift. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That's the thing where I was going, where I was making a mistake for a couple of years with like overhead lifting, push pressing, and stuff like that. Cleaned, like I was putting too much weight on my heels. So like, if I go to like dip on a push press or anything, I was just immediately hinging and then losing the rack and then it losing it forward, and then like in the last couple of years of something I've really focused I do, I do that on like say my squats as well I'm, I've like really worked on putting a bit more weight through the big toe rather than towards the heel mm. and then therefore where I'm dipping on my cleans and up my presses and stuff like that like I'm keeping the torso angle a lot more vertical and the, the dip so much better and I can use my calves better I can use my quads better rather than it just being like a fucking hinge if you will so like yeah, stuff like, stuff you're like right. the, I think one of the thing is, I think a, a massive key for me lately is, is learning how to make everything work together. So I've always had a strong pair of legs. I've always had a really strong lower back. I've always had a really strong stomach. I've got strong shoulders, but sometimes I can just never put them all together. Yeah. But by doing a lot more like um, Bulgarian split squats, a lot more isometric work, a lot more core work, and really focusing on making my body start to shake and shit itself a little bit more, and make everything get nice and tight and work together is really transferred over to everything. Do you know what I mean? It's like, like I said about those one little percentages of making everything like, I think the whole point, I always bang on about it, core training. And like, I don't mean yeah. standing there and doing a fucking Zumba class. 
with a fucking stick on your back and twisting side to side. I generally mean putting yourself in a position like a stress position where you think, oh my fucking God, my arms are shaking, my legs are shaking, my stomach's starting to cramp up. Putting yourself, your body in these weird positions. Will you imagine going into a yoke and not being able to know how to brace properly? You're going to yeah. get fucking mauled, aren't you? Yeah. But so what does that do when you've got 180, 200 kilo on your chest and you try to press it? Do you know what I mean? You're just going to die. Do you know what I mean? Physically, the ground will eat you up. I, I see you've been doing the uh, hollow rocks, haven't you, with the plates and stuff. I do them. They're fucking disgusting. Disgusting. I hate them. What weight? Because it I, I, makes me laugh because uh, I do them with a five plate on my feet and on my hands. And I'm pretty certain I've seen you with like a fucking 20 or something. I was thinking. Yeah, I've done them for 20s and it's yeah, fucking I've seen foul. It and like, fucking, like, he's off his head. <laughs> it's daft little things I have. And like lower back work, I always this might sound stupid. Like the other week, I done like a three twenty two good morning for reps, right? For it. some <laughs> fucking reason, I don't know how. I can, do you know, like you said with the strict press, it feels so easy. I can literally put myself in a weird position on a good morning. Like in the last lockdown, I got up to like an eight hundred pound seated good morning for like five reps, dead start, right? And like I jump up and I'd go. How the fuck have you just done that? I just don't even understand. Like, I honestly don't understand it. Do you know what it all boils down to? I think it's because I've squatted that long, like a good morning. My body just went, oh, dickhead's doing it again. Let's just make sure he's okay and he doesn't die. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's a lot of beltless work as well. Like a lot of the stuff I've done is fucking beltless and has been. I only started doing the beltless work because of the injuries I had in the past. And like I thought, how can how can I sort myself out? Because I used to always get a lot of um, IT joint problems, um, and a lot of that was stemming from uh, a lot of grappling that I did. And I used to get really really sore, like arse cheeks. And I had this the left hand side on the back. I used to always get this really weird like hip impingement, but it was actually my IT joint. And then like a physio I spoke to told told me to start doing more beltless work, and then it just carried on and just went. I just stopped wearing it, and I wore one for deadlifts the other day. But what I found is if I wear one in deadlifts. I've got to literally put it just underneath my rib cage on like one little hole so I can feel something to push against. It's actually not even like on as such. You can like put your fingers in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where is it all red press? I've literally got onto where I can't breathe. Yeah. See, I like a tight, tight belt, me. I don't know, on everything. I just fucking slam it on. Well, I couldn't I couldn't deadlift an SBD belt if you paid me to and spew up. So with your injuries and stuff, what what's it been like since transitioning to the higher body weight? Have you been a bit more resilient to injuries? Uh, I'm all right, thanks. Um, I'll be honest with you, I find I'm a lot more spongy in the right areas, so my elbows and stuff feel great, my hips feel great. I feel like a fat bastard, but um, I feel like I can push push off everything. But I'm not getting any touch wood. I'm not getting any like, really bad shoulder pains where I would... But that's where I used to take a lot of um, like Mastron and things like that to counteract it. because of because obviously when you start taking different types of juice and things like that, I found Mastron was a really good masking agent for stuff like Trembolones and things. So I didn't get as many side effects. So yeah. I used to always have Mastron in there, and I ran Mastron for nearly two years. But the minute I've took that out, I've started putting weight on, and I feel less stiff. Yeah, that's why I'm 95, mate. Because literally, I was 100 kilos before I started this peak. Because when I'm not on mast, I put on five key, and it just fucking I, yeah. That's that's one of the ways I lose weight is that when I add in a compound like that. Even though my diet, nothing changes, 
but my weight just comes down. I think it like yeah. sucks all the water out and the uh, I don't know. It just makes me leaner as well. It's I don't know. It's weird. Guarantee. It's a it's a it's a brilliant controlled drug. I think where you don't feel a lot of um, you don't get a lot of the psychological aspects of it. But I started using it when I was running high trembolones, and I found the Mastron really curbed the side effects of trembolone, and I really liked it. But I, I'm completely off trembolone now. I can't do it no more. I don't know what it is. It just I started getting to the point even where I'd run like 200, 300 mg a week. I would literally think about things that much. I'd get in a mood before I'd even lifted something. And it was actually it was actually off-putting. Yeah. So now I've just literally just jumped on the fence. And I'll be honest with you, at the moment, all I do is I run 600 milligram of test, 600 milligram of Decker, and I'll take a um, 25 mil of Dynabol, 25 mil of Oxys before I train at the moment. And um, super draw, uh, 10, 10 milligram because when you, I've run Decker quite a lot. Don't like Decker. A lot of people don't use Decker in the nineties because it, obviously most people in the nineties are ninety two, ninety three, and they get on Decker in the ninety six, so they, mm. they can't make the weight. So I never used that until I kind of stopped doing the weight classes. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I think it gives me. Um, I like to know I'm taking something, but I don't like my head to know what's happening. Like certain things are just way too strong for me, and like I'm. I'm a little bit unstable at the best of times with my mood, so never mind fucking putting that sort of stuff in. Fuck that, I couldn't, couldn't handle it. So test and decker for me is a very basic thing, which I really like. And like, I don't get any problems with my knob. I don't get any problems mentally. And I feel just, sounds mental, I feel a bit normal. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm in a good frame of mind, my training's better as well. Like, if I'm, I'm quite a happy, relaxed person to be around when I'm training. So I like to think if I can take things which... Contribute to me as a person. I'm a better coach. I'm a better person to be around. But I take tremble on. I'm on a diet. And I'm an absolute asshole. And I will. I can honestly speak to you and say, "Look, I'm in a really bad mood today. So leave me alone." I tell you what's bad for me, which is quite mild. Have you ever have you ever run EQ? Hate it. Anxiety goes through the roof. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm like. I fucking <laughs> funny as fuck. What's well, not funny? Tell you a funny story about Equipoise, right? First time I took it. I used to always get like, um, do you like those white spots you get in front of your eyes? Those little weird white yeah, spots yeah. if you hold your breath too long. My best mate, Dan, can stick up for me in this story. In my gym, I've got like a little area at the front, right? There's some farmer's walks behind me. I was doing pause deadlifts with 220 kilo, right? And I dropped it and I turned around and I remember waking up about two inches away from a pair of 60 kilo farmers with my nose on the floor, blood pissed everywhere. My nose was bent to the side. And Dan just went, mate, you've literally just turned around, blacked out, and went from fucking stood still and just hit the hit the deck and just passed out and smashed my face on the floor. <sighs> it, honestly, it sends my blood pressure through the fucking roof. And, like, I will not touch it. I can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, for, me, chance. It's, for me, I'm, like, peeking out the fucking blinds and shit. Like, I'll, I'll hear <laughs> someone drive past, and I'm, like, peeking out the blinds. What the fuck's that? And then I'm, like, I'm like why am I so sketchy? <laughs> I was like... I was like, I need to come off this EQ. I've only ever ran it once. I've never, never ran it again because I, my head went west. Did you get heart, heart palpitations? No, I just fucking, no, it just, I think it was just my head. Just like, couldn't fucking, like, didn't trust <laughs> anything anybody said. Was like, on, on edge, <laughs> but for no reason. I get these weird but... things where I'd go. Like, I'd be like, I think I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to have a heart attack. And I'm like, oh, no, it's just a murmur. You're okay. And I thought, well, what's that going to do for me in the long run? That is not good. So no, stop. 
Stop. You know, it's mild. You. Like it's, they say it's mild, and I'm like, is it fuck? Brutal. It's yes. I was like, it's fucking not. <laughs> you feel like a, you feel like a paranoid schizophrenic on it. It's fucking shocking. Yeah, but some people don't know. If, they, if people don't know that's a side effect, they think it's just them. And they're like, no, I'm on oh. EQ, it's great. And they don't, people don't open up about this stuff, do they? They don't, unless you think it's the EQ, if you're having panic attacks, you, it's it's rare for men to go up to other, other friends and be like, I'm having panic attacks, I'm really anxious. You know what I mean? Whereas for me, I was actually saying this uh, to Shannon yesterday because uh, I started taking Anadrol and uh, I did it for two days and I started getting all these stomach it's like my stomach was bubbling and I was fucking shitting myself and being sick and stuff. And any normal human would be like, oh, I've got a stomach bug. You know, I'll stop eating, I'll starve myself. But because I take stuff, I instantly put it down to the gear every time yeah. anything happens. So I was like, I need to stop taking this Anadrol. Like, after two days. So I stopped taking it and then obviously continued fucking shitting the sick in for three days. And then on Sunday, felt a bit better and then yesterday felt fine and now Shannon's got the same bug so it was definitely a stomach bug but I put it down to the anadrol and that's the same with me on EQ is as soon as I started getting panic attacks I was like oh it's the EQ <laughs> and I blamed that but most people would just think so you're oh, getting back on the anadrol then Shane pardon are you getting back on the anadrol then or not yeah yeah uh, I'm gonna do one I've got one <laughs> more week left of my cycle well, it was actually supposed to be this. I was supposed to finish my. I was supposed to finish my cycle this week, but I'm going to drag it out an extra week because um, I want to get that 180. Uh, well, at least 180. I want to get before before I come off. Um, so I'm going to drag it out one more, one more week. Um, May so as well. May yeah, as well. I, I don't like to blast too long. I'm not going to blast cycling a long time. Um, Mainly just because I've been so injured, there's been no point. Um, but things are fucking feeling class. So I want to do one more week and then I'm I'm a bit sketchy on gear now because I've been using it a long time. I get like worried about my health, mate. I don't know if you ever get that. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I, listen, I, I'm not going to fucking lie to people. I've, I've had times where like I've been up to like fucking 10 mil a week and that thinking when you're younger, like, more is more, more is more, more is better. Trust me, if anyone's listening to this, more is not better. I always get people ask me questions like, what should I run? And you know what I say to them straight away? I go, do some research, look into things. This is what I do, and I would not recommend you follow the same as me because every single person is different. And do me a fucking favour. If you're doing in strength sports, do not just listen to bodybuilders. Do not just listen to powerlifters. Look at people who you're talking to, see who they work with, See what they've done themselves, but you have to find out what works for you, not what works for your best friend, because that's not how it works. It's impossible. It's really hard to say everyone's the same because we're not. Because you don't know. Like some guys can get away with running just like a grammar test a week, and that's it. Do you know what I mean? They're absolutely fine on it and they feel great. Whereas some people go, I know lads who absolutely batter things and it's pointless. And um, and some of them are like, it's not worth it. Do you know what I mean? And like the long-term health benefits, right? If you if you're having a batter. 10 mil of Tremblone a week to do a fucking novice competition. There's something severely wrong. Fucking hell, guys. Like, be smart, be fucking sensible. If you complete at the highest level and you take a little bit more than most people, that's totally fair. Totally get that. The risks and the and the, and, and the benefits sort of go hand in hand. It's like ladies. Ladies who do it will compete at the highest level possible. I fully understand it. 
But girls who compete at like a, sorry, ladies who compete at a lower level and the battering are really, really, really high in gear. And it's going to start changing the way they talk, the menstrual cycles, the chances of having the fertility problems. Like you've got to like balance things out, I think, in this sport. I think too many people are too quick to jump on the I've been training six weeks. What should I take bandwagon? Yeah, well, you know what I mean? We've we've talked about it quite a lot on here where where the like we're we're just you're kind of echoing what we're saying, really. And um where people are looking at gear as one of the first steps as like an essential first step when the training shite, the sleep shite, the nutrition shite, they're just eating what they like the the hot and cold with the training, whether oh they're they're really on it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what'd be a good one. I got asked this question when I shared a question box as to uh, when as a strong man, because a lot of people that talk about first cycles, um it's always it's usually related to bodybuilding online. And, and powerlifting and stuff. And one of the questions I got asked is, when, when should you consider a first cycle in strongman versus like bodybuilding and stuff? They say like put put a good couple of years and make sure your diet's right and all this stuff. Um, where a strongman, I think it's a little bit different. I don't know if you agree with, with the fact that you got to remember, peds can't teach you how to do stuff. No, they fucking can't. Yeah, and in strongman, you got to learn how to do. 30 different fucking things, you know what I mean? Front carries, loading, log, axle. There's like, it takes years to even learn how to do it all. And I don't think you should even consider gear until you're at a point where you only care about your strength going up. Your technique's got a really good baseline and then you can just try and build upon it. Where- yeah, so, so, so Dale, kind of building on that kind of question, like what, what, because Shane's answered answered this before, and it'd be interesting to see your your take on it. What what would you say to somebody who's committed to the sport long term that they're going to eventually take that step step of taking gear? Um, would you say to get to a certain level, natural, unenhanced, or would you say that it it would actually it could actually be beneficial? Starting at like lower dose. Right, so I'll, I'll put it from my personal say? experience with this. I first started on cycle when I was 70, uh, let's go, I was 76 kilos, right? I'd already been training four years. I'd already learned how to lift properly. I'd already competed a couple of times. I could bench press 160 kilo. I could deadlift. 270, 280 kilo. I could squat 260 kilo. You've got to bear in mind, this is like a 76 kilo body weight. And I could also push press 130 kilo for five reps, clean and press. And I was and I was 76 kilo body weight then, right? So I knew there was someone inside of me which could be half decent. Yeah. But I'd already done a few diets. I'd already started learning. I'd already started training people. And I'd already set my goals on being the best version possible I could be for myself exactly you, you'd, you, you'd already put so much grip to get to those numbers you, you can't do yeah you don't get to that I, by chance do you you've got to put a no. load of grafting to get to those numbers anyway and like I used to always be around people on that when it was literally like um so it was obviously like you got like regionals you got England's and then you got fucking worlds and all this sort of stuff I remember the first time I went to Worlds and I was against this fucking Norwegian dude, right? I can't remember his fucking name. I don't know a fucking clue, right? He was fucking massive. I'll have to send you the photo of him, right? I was 
83 kilos, got to my first Worlds, and I just turned up and I went, oh, my God, what the fuck is that? And I was thinking, the fuck is that fucking big bastard there? I was thinking, you know, what the fuck am I going to do against him? And then I started going, right, you know how to train yourself, you're all right. I got my ass handed to me and I laughed about it and I thought, you know what? I was shit, but I deserved to be there. And I know in four or five years, I'll be good enough. I think as long as you know that training, nutrition, work rate, motivation, when you can't be fucking arsed is there. And also, you can't just be motivated when you're on cycle. You've got to be motivated when you're off fucking cycle. You've got to be motivated all year round. Do you think we go in the gym every fucking day and can be asked? oh, my God, 50% of the time I can't be fucking chewed. I just think, oh, not this again. I'm going to fucking fall over or something here. My knee hurts, my back hurts. I didn't sleep very well last night. It's discipline. As long as you've got the discipline and the motivation to know that you're going in the right direction, then it's fine to do whatever you want. But when you haven't got control of your own emotions, you haven't got control of your own training, when you're maxing out every three seconds and you're failing everything and you're fucking using excuses left, right and centre and you think, well, if I take this, this is going to happen. That's when you've got an actual problem. If you don't generally believe within yourself you can get somewhere without having to use the gear for excuse, there's a problem. I think you've got to yeah. be able to know how to train, you've got to know how to diet, you've got to know how to be strict with yourself, you've got to know when to back off as well. I think a lot of people sometimes get confused when, like, I'll say to people, I'm off-cycle. Me off-cycle is running 400, milli- 400 mg of tests a week because I'm at a point now where I've used it nearly 10 years where I'll never be able to fully come off. And that's my own problem because I've done that yeah. to myself and I take it on the chin, but I like to think I've done okay for it. Um, but at the same time, if anyone ever comes to me who I train personally and asks me advice, I'll always say, you're a grown person, you make your own decision, but you've got to be willing to take the side effects with the good effects of it all. And so my advice to anyone would be, if you're going to do it, make sure you're going to be competitive. If you're doing it to go downtown to drink a fucking pint and show your lads how big 16 in jams are, I don't... Listen, if I didn't compete, I wouldn't be that person who's walking around town thinking I was massive. I'm not that sort of person. I think if you, if you aim to be competitive at a decent level, then speak to someone you trust, Go to someone who you know, and then just take some good advice, but also learn yourself and your own body. I think the um, I think the thing to take away is like what like what me and Shane have said before. Like if you if you if you took like say the gear away from like say you two as an example as elite kind of lifters, like you took the gear away f- from what you've achieved and with all the work work and st- you'd you'd still be at a fucking top level anyway. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys that. Say, say, I, I coach you get a lot of guys that are unenhanced or natural, or whatever, and you kind of see this attitude going around where they kind of look at people who are enhanced or take gear or whatnot, and kind of people, kind of a lot of people point the finger and be like, oh yeah, well he's only like that because he takes X, Y, and Z, or uh, he wouldn't be able to do that if he were if he were like. Whereas actually all these kind of fundamental things that you've talked about there, you say about work rate, about turning up when you fucking, when you don't want to, you've got injuries, but you still turn up, like turning up no matter what and practicing yeah. and getting, yeah, you, getting you, 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 like just. We've all been there lads, right? Where we turn up to a competition, right? And you just think to yourself, do you know when you were out of bed, you think, what's wrong with me today? I cannot switch on. God, and what do you do? You crack on anyways and you take on the chin like a champ because that's what fucking winners do. Even when you can't be arsed and even when yeah. you're not at your best, you still do your best you can do on the fucking day. Ben Williams is a prime example for someone who we're talking about here because 
I've trained Ben. This is coming for our fifth year now. When Ben first started with me, he trained me the first two years. Nat, he was in the he was in the Navy um, powerlifting team and things like that. We've done a few powerlifting competitions, and you can't tell me by Ben getting on cycle that's added 110 kilo to his log. No, that's fucking effort and work rate that's done that. Yeah, completely agree. Keston Decker hasn't got Ben the UK's strongest man. Ben's got himself there by listening and just being a good boy and fucking cracking on when he can't be chewed. So, like, there's, there's things you can take away from it. You can either make excuses and say, he's only there because of that. He's only there because of that. But I guess what it boils down to yourself and you and you only. Take responsibility for your own actions and fucking shut up. Yeah. That, that's, I suppose, like, from, from uh, hosting this podcast and speaking to people, I love speaking to people who are fucking better than me and as athletes and stuff. Like, I find it really in, inspirational to, fa- to find, like, the habits of what, what people are doing. And me and Shane are only better than you because we don't belt clean because we're not that sort of person. We've got respect for ourselves. <laughs> apart yeah. from that, as human beings, no one's better than anyone apart from people who belt clean. No, I mean, I mean like the, the, <laughs> the num- numbers people are lifting in the sport and stuff like, like you, you know, like when we've had... Hey, Josh, uh, you did a Zerka clean that wasn't a belt clean. I think you got ripped more than a belt clean, didn't you? Yeah, that was that was fucking brilliant. That was that search clean I did the other day. Did you not see uh, Rob Ward did that at an England Strongest Man comp under ninety uh, one year, and he what? did a, the Zerka axle clean. Is a was that the year Travis done it as well? Yeah, that was the year that Rob came. Se- I don't know why I remember this, but Rob came second on the axle because Adam Travis did a uh, power clean. I come third. Uh, I come third. I was against Travis, but bear in mind, this is when I used to compete with a pair of Nike Air Max on and just a belt. I didn't even know what, what anything was. And like, I remember being next to him and I got 130 and I went against him 140. And I was thinking, right, he's just power cleaned it. So I'm going to try and power clean it. But I didn't know what else to do. And it kept like slipping out my hands. And I thought, whoa, this is hard. This is really hard. He was brilliant, that Adam Travis. He was class. His squats were fucking dynamite. Yeah, because he uh, he's got a two hundred cleaning jerk. So uh, I'm not surprised. He's yeah, so when he popped it on the axle, he uh, I think he got one fifty five or whatever it was. But I always remember Rob Ward because he did the Zerka, and that was the first time I ever seen it. I've not really ever seen it since then. And then Josh bloody did it. I was like, oh, bringing bringing that back. But then he got more more rinse than belt cleaning. There's a lot of stuff I, going on I about think belt Josh cleaning. just brings it on himself. I think people just like to bully him a little bit because it's funny. It's like Ginger Mark. I like to pick on Ginger Mark because he's just really funny. I've got nothing against him. I just find it personally hilarious. Which one's... It's uh... not bullying. If you know the person, you'd say it to the face. Remember that. That's not bullying then. If you say it to them, it's not bullying. <laughs> That's a fact. There's uh, a lad called... Uh, Sam. Is it Sam Lesurf? I don't know if you've competed against him, but he he did it. He, he does it. An Australian dude. And he, he did like 170... Recently, the with the zir- the zircher Shane. Well, what's up with the axle? But yeah. no, no, he's no, he's like I think he's one one oh five. I think he's got like the maybe the. As I said, it must be some kind of record that. Josh Shane, do you want me to admit some, some something to you now? When I only told Dave Williams the other day, and it's something I'm not proud of, but I've done it because. <sighs> right, so many moons ago, in Skirm Park. I um I done a 175 kilo axle clean and press with a belt clean. 
disgraceful. <laughs> and I've not shared this video with anyone because I'm embarrassed by it. It's like, but I've done it and I'm sorry. Get, so, the, get the video, get the video up. Um, no, I'm not doing it. I'll talk about it. I'm not sure knowing it, but it, it's it, happened. That's about that's about ten kilo over the record as well. But you, you won't share it. <laughs> no, not because do... you know what it makes me look like it makes me look like a look like a hypocrite. But I'm just an honest hypocrite. I'll be honest with you. So there you go. You've got some dirt on me, and I've shared it to everyone. I have done talk it about uh, the thing. I've seen this before. I've seen you posted the events for uh, Britain's. Under one twenties. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait there. We're gonna we're gonna move to that. We're still on the fucking intro here, lads. Wait, wait, we're um, fucking an hour in. I, yeah, was just, <laughs> I was just thinking about belt cleans, and I was watching a video <laughs> and talking about belt cleans at his concert. <laughs> are, you, are you gonna do uh, Fer, Furman's um, Max belt clean, comp, Dale? Have you seen um, it? I'd rather shit in my hands then? and clap. Anthony Furman's put on a um, a prize pot for a match. I don't need the money. Company. I don't need the money. I'd rather be skinned, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't mind being poor. It's fine. I've got my dignity. What's all this going on? Would you follow Terry Reedy? <laughs> yeah. He, I don't think they like each other. It's funny. Is that what is going on? Because I yeah, thought to myself, there's like... Like it's, there was a post about him, someone ruining the sport because the belt cleans, and then I was seeing, and now I've heard about this. Lads, belt it's not ruining the sport to me. It's banter. I think it's it's got it, it. I started off saying, "What on earth are you doing that for?" And it got to the point where you start arguing with people, but it ends up being like, you know, like a bit of banter you have with people. It just ends up being really funny. Like it's like me. Everyone always tags me, and whenever you have a kind of nourishment, it's like a thing that goes around now. Yeah, I've seen that. And it's like belt cleans, it's always me, <laughs> me that gets tagged in it, and then Anthony Furman will get tagged in it, and Andy Black, and then Dean McVie ends up throwing his toys out the pram about it. So it's just really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny, isn't it? Right, like it. Dale, tell tell us let's move on a little bit. Right. Tell us a bit more about you about your other lifts then. Like because I, I like I'm like looking at your kind of all your lifts for strongman, like your grip, your stones, your moving events, your med like you can do everything. So just give, give us a bit, give it like, what's your, what's your, your favorite yoke set you've ever done? Favorite farmer? My favorite event in the whole wide world is farmer's walks for one straight line for as much weight as possible for as fast as possible. I've won that at two different Arnold's events and Arnold's last year, I actually done, I actually qualified for the one Oh fives from coming second at, in Arnold's um, Australia. Um, and I was, I think I was joined first or second going into the second day and I um what did I, I won the deadlift and I come second or third in the log and then and I seen the next day and it was fucking 360 York and I was like, whoa, this has got me written all over it. And the 140 farmers and I thought, yes, I'm fucking through to the grand final. There's no stopping me now when this is where experience comes in, boys. Guys, anyone who's listening to this, even if you're really good at something. Do not let your head get too big and don't think you're going to win it because things go awfully wrong. So walked into the farmers and I thought, you were all getting roasted here, lads. You've got nothing on me. I've won these two competitions in a row and I can't be stopped. Pick the farmers up, got five metres from the end. Both of the farmers clanged at the back. I tripped over the farmers and both of them done this like 360 fucking turn and they had to go and collect the farmers to put them back in the middle to pick it up to finish, and I finished the farmers in 30 seconds. And that just knocked me all the way down to 10th, and I couldn't get myself back up. Even that I, couldn't, I don't have it, I couldn't third or fourth in the York or something. And like, 
Farm is my favourite event, but I went into that with way too much confidence and that's something which I will always treasure happening to me because that was perfect what I needed at my point in my strongman journey was to get my ass handed to me for being too cocky and too arrogant of my own self-belief. So there you go, friend who's listening. Farmers is my favourite, but don't get too confident. The different farmers, aren't they, at the Arnold's? Like, well, they weren't the first year I was there. They were fucking dynamite. Uh, I smashed it. And then the second year, they put... Do you know the plate loaded ones you put in at the end? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God, mate, the absolute... I, I couldn't believe it. And, like, that's a mistake which I made, which I'm very grateful for making it because, at the end of the day, I approached it with too much confidence instead of just sticking to the game plan and getting the job done. And I always appreciate learning curves. And I, I'll, I'll never... I'll, I'll always... I never see a negative if I can get a positive out of it because I always think that's going to make you a better... Athlete in the future, and as a coach, I like to tell people those stories. So, whenever we're in competition, I'd say, Don't be a knobhead like Dale, you, you do what you can because I've made these mistakes before. York's one of my favorite events, same thing, go as heavy as you like, it's fine. I've done a 430 beltless York for 20 meters, that's one of my training sets, which I really like. I've done that. Um, actually, Joe, my favorite lift ever, I've got two, it was my first time I ever power cleaned 160 kilo. Nothing that impressive, but it was something which I'd always really wanted to do. And uh, I've got a 305 double overhand deadlift as well, which is something I'm really good at. Fucking Not hook grip, double overhand. Fucking hell. Yeah, I think I've seen your double overhands. Do you power clean hook grip? No, no, no. I just fucking just fucking grab all of it and fling it up. Yeah, I thought, I thought so. That's why I think so. I was going to say that 160 park clean is 10 times more impressive if it's double overhand. You're a mad Yeah, man. it's double overhand. I think my best power clean is 165 or 167, but I just like, I literally just throw it up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's not much technique involved about, with that. Just pure mong strength. Stones. Um, what about stones? Stones and the best stone I've done. I've only ever went up to one eighty because I've never really had to go any heavier. I, I normally focus on height on stones. Yeah, because I always think you can get a better triple extension going higher than lower. So I don't really train yeah, stones very low. I, I generally work up to like one sixty for like a set of three to five. I like to normally think I like a like a decent height. So I'm, I like to teach myself more triple extension than what I do heavy heavy lifting yeah, on a stone yeah. one. One for me is injury prevention because one snap bicep, you're out for six months. If I did have a heavier stone run in a competition, I'd do it in a run. That's no problem at all. But I always like to practice on like a decent weight to a decent height. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a more important thing. I've done a 160 stone at shoulder as well. That was quite cool. And he died twice beforehand. Fucking hell. <laughs> what, what, honestly, that's, one mate, my, that that's one of my freaky. things I want to tick off, you know. I've, I've got a random, I have these random lift goals I like to do. And I've always wanted to shoulder a 160. And I have no idea why. You know when you just fucking tell yourself something? Yeah. So that is something I'm going to try and do this year, to be honest. I've got a I, one, I remember I did the 150 30, beforehand, and my uncle was watching me. So I did 140, 150, 160. And I got the 150 to my shoulder, and I dropped it, but there was a little one-kilo plate on the floor. It smashed off <laughs> him. It just flew past his head. And he was stood there with his little vapey pipe, and he went, Wow, what the fuck's just happened there, son? I thought a bit of shrapnel's about to hit me in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when you talk about random lifts? I've always got, I've got one thing I need to tick off, and I've only ever done sixteen on it. Is a two hundred and twenty squat for twenty? I don't know why. It's something which stuck in my head a bit, and I've only ever managed sixteen because I die. Yeah, I've done a uh, two hundred and five <clears throat> for twenty. How did that feel? 
the reason it was fuck. Well, it's weird them twenties because you feel all right until about thirty seconds after you put it back, and then you're fucking dead. Um, but the reason why I wanted to do, I wanted to do two twenty seven for I think it's twenty six or something because that's what Tom Platts did, like uh, five hundred pounds. Yeah, he did like twenty. He was a little bit over twenty, but that's always been another one that I've wanted to try and get because I always remember that set. It's probably a famous set, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I like that sort of stuff but yeah anything Josh all around really I'll be honest with you but my week events is sandbag tossing for some reason I'm that person who always smacks the fucking board with no matter what way it's like it's just a lot of it means it's one of those things sometimes when you get your triple extension right it flies but I try not to look back and see where the sandbag's going I find that that throws me back too much so sandbag tossing I'm a little bit turned on but that's more to do with this. I always, I always look at it like this. How many times have you squat, bench, deadlift, and logged in the gym? How many times have you threw a sandbag in your life? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, just practice, mate, isn't it? Like, it's all practice. But I used to be really poor at medleys for the simple fact I didn't train them enough, whereas now it's completely different. So, like, kegs, sandbags, picking up weird objects, corners, wheels, are, I've learned to really enjoy them now. Do you know, like, going through the pain barrier? Yeah. I've learned, I've learned to really enjoy the pain barrier now, and I kind of, like in a sick way I kind of like being a little bit discomfort like someone sat on you a bit I like it yeah that, that that's what I, I really like about that that's where I kind of our approaches are very different but there's a lot of lot of similarities and in terms of the fact that you've just said oh well you've something that I'm weak at you'll, you'll just practice it more and just hammer a load of hammer a load of work at that and very I, important if you don't work your weak points, what's the point you're doing a spot? And that, that's just literally all, all that I do is like if I'm shit at something, I'll just I'll practice it every day if I if I want to until I until I force it up to get to as good as I need to be, if you will. Yeah, I like to throw a lot of power variations into my training though. So like I'll do like power upright rows, power snatch upright rows. So it's like it's it's kind of like a cheaty upright row from the floor. So I pull towards yeah. my chin. I just like to develop as much power and force into things as possible. Power cleans, power upright rows, hang ro- hang hang upright rows, hang cleans, things like that. Um, I, I don't know why I do it because I really actually enjoy flinging heavy weights about. Yeah, as as I like putting a lot of power into things. So we've, we've t- talked about this before on here. I I think the, these that you um, like say the high pulls and the power upright rows, whatever you want to call them. I think for general power development, for somebody who doesn't want to like, like the learning curve is like dead easy compared to like, say, you know, like say learning weightlifting or whatever, learning how to snatch properly and stuff like that. Like to get the benefit that a lot of strongmen are wanting to get, you don't need to get as technical as that to, to get the benefit of triple extension and moving explosively. Like, you know, and, and like the mobility to catch a clean and stuff like that. Like, you can get you can get a lot of those benefits from just doing like say like you say power 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 rows power upright like I think it's I got that stuff you know from watching Sven Carlson. Have you ever watched right. Viking Power? No. Oh fucking hell, mate! You say you were a strongman fan. You haven't watched Viking Power. You need to watch Viking Power on YouTube, bro. It's absolutely it. awesome. Um, they do. Uh, Vinny used to do that type of training as well. Phil Fiston. Did you ever watch his documentary? On, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Like, it's, watch Viking Power, mate. It's literally, is literally Sven's, Sven Carlson in a barn just throwing things around for fun. 
and it gets you proper psyched up. It's it's brilliant, mate. It's someone you've got to watch. And anyone who listens to this, Sven Carlson, Viking Power, um, the Magnus Samuelson one as well. They're both really good old school strongman documentaries, which make you think, how good would them guys be now? I I think a lot of people, um, like with, as a strongman sort of like geek as such, it, I like... I don't like comparing people from 20 years ago to now because I don't think it's fair because I think any sport develops. It's like saying, I'm not a big football fan, but could Pelé play football now? It's not, it, you can't really compare that sort no, of stuff. It's not fair, is it? No. Do you know what I mean? And like, I, and like, I, I don't generally get involved in these arguments because I think like it's unfair. Um, but I do like to see the old school way of training because I think things can sometimes develop at that faster rate now. Like, you look at the way Novikov is now. He's 24, 25 years old. There's no guy that age who should be that strong and athletic. I know there's people who are stronger physically in the sense of like one rep max lifts, but at the moment he is the most powerful man, strong man on earth at this very second. Yeah. And I think for a 25-year-old bloke, you've got to look at it and go, how the fuck do you be that strong and compete that much at such a young age? Yeah. But... I think everyone's different and like that's why I love competing abroad a lot of people sometimes ask me this now well how come you don't do England's and UK's and all that because I always say once I get in my 30s and I'm a little bit older I'll travel a lot less but at the moment I like to go away to speak to different people to compete abroad so I can learn more off other people and also do a little bit of travelling and see what it's all about this sport because like the way the Eastern Bloc lads train compared compared to how like the Scottish lads train or the English lads train or the Welsh lads train, everyone's like all, all nations seem to have this different attitude yeah, towards the sport. So and can, I, can, I like you can feel the best bits. Like uh, uh, you've said it before. I've listened to on one of your chats before where you said like um, about the what have you said. You've dis, de, described the different areas of like the Eastern Bloc guys are good at like brilliant at moving and overhead and then. The Americans, they can't deadlift, but they can. <laughs> what did you say? What did you say? Go, go through. I it always, again. I always, I always, I always look at it like this. If you're going against a Ukrainian or an Eastern Bloc lad against a Frame or a York, you know you're going to have a really bad race, and it's going to they're going to be on your heels like a bastard. If you're going in overhead against a Russian, he is not going to stop repping out until that stop, that that timer stops. So you've got to be on your game. If you're going against a Scotchman on an Atlas Stone, you may as well stop and just realise you're coming second, regardless of what you, <laughs> way you look at it. But the way, the way it is, those lads from the UK are the best deadlifters in the world and we are the best strongmen in the world. Am I being a little bit arrogant there towards UK strongman? Yes, I am, because we are the best, because we are king of strongmen and women. <laughs> um, but And I always find the Americans are very, like... I think the Americans are really smart competitors like the Eastern Bloc lads. I think a lot of the English guys and the UK guys go balls to the wall in every single event. And that's just the way we are as a, as a community, I think, where every event we've got to give it all. Whereas I find the Americans and even the Australians are a bit like it. And the Eastern Bloc lads, they're a little bit more, they're a little bit more calculated to the approach to the events, which can sometimes be a good and a bad thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, I just, I just find it very interesting how other people approach it and like how everyone's got their own training style and how everyone's got their own sort of output on competition. So it'll be like, I would never go up to a competition and go, "How many reps did you get there, mate?" I need to go and check the score sheet because I don't even look at the score sheet because I generally just go flat out and I don't really care if something falls off. Whereas now I'm getting a little bit older, 
all the deals are a lot more calculated. Whereas if I was watching Ben or Gav compete, I'd be there looking at the scores going, right, lads, save your energy because you've got Silver Dollar deadlifting two events, but this is a heavy York. I just I just wish sometimes when I was a little bit younger and I've competed and I've been abroad on my own, someone was there telling me what to do and what not to do. And I think the calculated approach is a very smart way about competing. Whereas I've always been like that. I always check score sheets and I always want to know what time people get. I always watch. I'm watching everything when I compete because if there's an event I'm really good at that I can do, let's say it's a rep event and I can do 20 reps or something. If I'm out fifth in that and there's another five guys to go, I like to know, I've done a bit of research and I like to know roughly how many reps I think people are going to get. That's fine, yeah. I, totally I don't want. I don't want to do twenty reps and then be fucked and and come first by eight reps because because I did that one year at Northern England Trans Man. Um, there's a two hundred squat for reps or one eighty squat for reps or something, and I was out like third, and I did like nineteen reps, and then um, second place um, was like eleven reps. I could have done twelve, not been. I literally was being sick in that because I fucking did a 20 rep set. I was fucking dead. Quads were twitching and cramping. It made the rest of me comp shite. And I learned that day, like, you need to be a bit more calculated and know what's going on. Um, because turning up to a comp and not knowing what everybody's going to lift, it's great at certain points in your, like, lifting career because you can just fucking go ham and do everything. But a certain, you get to a certain level, you got to, like, you got to know when to, when to push the gas and when to pull back because... Totally agree. You don't want, especially like you don't get more points. Do you don't you? want to go into stones, fucking dead. Do you know what I mean? Nah, nah, you don't get more points at the end of the day getting ten more reps on someone, and they come second. If anything, they've they've got the advantage over you because they're less fucked. And I found, and I, and that's and that is generally from experience. A lot of my experience as a strongman and a coach comes from me making some really bad mistakes. And I like to think that's why people can trust me when I look after them because I like to think mm. even Gav and that say it to me, they go, How do you know this sort of stuff? I go, because Gav, I've been there myself and I've made that many mistakes. I know what to do and what not to do no more. And that point scoring thing is one which I do take on board now. Do you know who's absolutely brilliant at it? Paul Smith. He's fantastic at it. He really is. He's yeah, well, he really got to be like with Paul. Which which one's Paul Smith? What does Paul Smith look like? He wears New Balance trainers and looks like you shouldn't be allowed to do any of your skills. <laughs> but with Paul, I like Paul. I respect Paul because he's got he, he's got. Let's be honest, right? At the level he competes at, being a fucking natural, he's got a little bit of a disadvantage, hasn't he? So he has to be smarter in other areas. And um, it doesn't surprise me that he's good at you know manipulating the scoreboard and that because. Mm. I think I think you got to. Um... All of us as coaches understand that now, and I think there's like a, there's like a community of coaches in the UK which have got a really good base, and I think it's very important as a coach to learn from your own experiences so you can pass them on to your guys and girls, and also implement it yourself. I used to be one of those guys who used to. Um, I've, I've always been a big believer in showing the guys and girls who are trained that. I put the work in, so like whatever I tell you to do, I'm not being a dickhead. I'm being generally serious. I want the best for you. But if I'm telling you to pull back a bit in an event for a certain reason, then you see me go balls to the walls. You're like, oh, Adele, what are you doing? Like, you can't tell me this. You can't tell me that if you're doing it. And like, and this is what I like to say with experience. I don't think to be a good coach, you need mental amount of qualifications. I don't think that's really important. Like, 
I've got a, I've got a degree, I've been to college and all that bullshit, but it means absolutely nothing when it comes to strongman. All that boils down to, I'm not saying you have to be the world's best competitor to be a good coach, but I think if you've got a higher level experience in the sport yourself, you've got a better knowledge of what, what's to be expected at those high levels. I'll give you an example. We've all been there. When you first start competing and you're in a warm-up room, what's one of the first things people do when they're a little bit less experienced, a little bit shy? They don't get warmed up properly because they're a little bit standoffish. Yeah, you I don't know, but yeah. with experience, you fucking learn, right? Find the biggest gobshite you can find in that in that in that warm-up area. Latch on to him like he's your best friend and go, right? Me and you play it load of each other. We'll take control of this warm-up room. That's a this is this might sound mental, lads. A very important part of this sport is taking control of the warm-up room. And I'm not saying yeah. like force your way around things. What I'm saying is you're competing as much as everyone else. So get yourself fucking warm because no one else is going to do it for <laughs> you. I tell my guys, you can be the nicest guy in the world, but when you're in that warm-up room, you've got to be a dickhead. Because if you're not, you're gonna the, the bar's going to get to 180 and you ain't, you ain't touched it. And then you're going to end up pulling 220 for one and then going out to do deadlift for it. And that's why people get injured at strongman comps. Like they could, they don't get injured in training. They've done it a million times in training, but in strongman comp, you're outside. The weather might be bad. You're a bit cold, and uh, if you don't be f- pushy in the warm up room, because often there's one bar, one set of plates, 12, 15 lads, and um, if you're a bit shy and don't want to like jump in and say, "Oh fucking dickheads, put it to 60 kilo," you're at 180. I need, I want 60. You know, you've got to be that guy or else you're going to end up... Uh... And also as well, like, t- take control of, like, the... Take take control of the, the, the ref and the and the guys who are organising it. If they call your name out, but you're still, you're still waiting for your chalk to dry or whatever, or you're putting your wrist wrapped on, just fucking act, cum, like, calm and collected. Don't rush in. Yeah, Josh, that. if you try that at the Arnold of Dion, she will tell you to go and fuck yourself. It's either you're coming now or you're not going at all. They're brutal over there, mate. I swear, the brutal book. Yeah, they've got time constraints, so haven't they? With the uh, yeah, the, uh, you know the bigger active. competitions where there's more people there, like the OSG and things like that. That's when it becomes a problem when you've got that many competitors when you've only got a certain amount of kit. I don't <laughs> think it's too bad. I'll give you an example. If we were all, if we all had, if we were all in a competition now mm-hmm. and there's 15 of us there, because you know the guys, I think yeah, most yeah. people would speak to each other and be like. I, I would then, Shane, shut up, fucking go on, you got on, Josh. Are you warming up or not? But when it, when you're actually in a field of like international athletes yeah. where you've got five of them who can't speak English, they don't give a fuck no. about you. So you, you've got to literally like, you've got suppose, to take charge yourself. And- I suppose what I'm saying is more like, say, say for instance, you're doing a medley and you set you take time to set your keg right, t- time to set your sandbag right. If your farmers are a little bit wonky or whatever, say, no, look, can you straighten up the farmers before we start? I'm not happy with that. You're doing a stone run and the stones aren't perfectly aligned or whatever, and there's one close to the platform. Like, tell the organizer, look, I want that stone a little bit further back before we start. I'm not ready. Like, stuff like. There's no Key Rash Majidi. Key Rash, Key Rash was the most brutal person in the world for that sort of stuff. <laughs> Key Rash is a proper cheeky bastard, and he would literally like. He, he likes belt clean, doesn't he? Key Rash does not eat belt cleans. Key Rash would hit you with his belt if you heard you say that. Um, he, 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 Key Rash was that guy who would literally say, oh, no, I'm not going unless that's there. Not a chance. Yeah. Not doing that. I like to do, I like to talk about our our local lads and our national lads and that because, like you say, we've got the under-80s coming up, the Britain's Strongest Man, and I think it's good for these guys to see, guys with a little bit more experience, how learning 
from these competitions that we're going to be doing here, when they go abroad, it's going to be less as a shock to them. I think some people, when they first do the first Worlds, the first international, they're more overwhelmed by the experience and being there than what they are. They forget that they're actually there to compete and win. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a massive part why some people act the way they're doing those warm-up rooms because they're sometimes just happy to be there. Whereas I've never said this to Ben this year before his first UKs, I'd say, <laughs> listen, you deserve to be here. So don't think that like anyone's going to do you any favours. All these lads want to beat you. You need to beat them as well. Put your headphones in and I'm going to walk you all the way through. No matter what happens, we're going to get it done together. And do you know what? Did you watch the UK Strongest Man? Yeah, well, I've seen, uh, I've seen the first two episodes. Of, Did you see Ben's first day? Yeah, so it was brilliant on the old. Oh, mate, for, do you know something? This is going to sound like a bit weird. If he had those final events compared to the second day events, it would have been a fucking mental story, you know, because, like, the first day, like, he absolutely smashed it. And the only reason why I didn't get that log up on the last one, if you watch, do you know that um, Lycra top that they have, like, the onesie? Yeah. Like, I didn't realise he, he had his onesie on underneath his T-shirt. So when he was trying to clean the log, it just kept sliding off. And he seen him afterwards, he come home and went, I kept my Lycra top on, didn't I? I can't believe it. I kept it on. I was like, oh, but I know, like, it was a good experience to you, that, mate. It was a fucking hey, good experience. He should, should have got into belt clean, Dale. He's got a big fat belly. It doesn't count. <laughs> right, so... count you got a big fat belly. So what... Um, so we talked about your, your goals as a... A bit, bit about your goals as an athlete. So you're going to pull 400 next week. Um, what... Just to, just touch on before we move on. Like, what what, what are you what are your goals as an all round strongman athlete? You you want to do well at the one hundred fives, don't you? Eventually, OSG. Uh, well, as yeah. long as travel restraints aren't brutal, I've been invited to Arnold's Australia next year in March. I've already got an invite through for that. So right. my goal is to go to Arnold's Australia podium. <laughs> And then go Arnold's America and podium. My, my big goal, because I've podiumed in Australia and at Europe's, my big goal as a strong man is to podium at Arnold's America. And I could honestly say to you, I will take that one million percent. Um, and I'd like to do some ultimate strongman stuff. I want to do a few world team championships. I'd like to go at the 105 Worlds just on my own as the ultimate strongman. Um, also, I'll be totally honest with you, I've got, Every, every aspect of me wants to pull 420 kilo at 105. I couldn't give a fuck if it's a world record or not at the time. I'm not bothered about that no more. The one record I always set myself out, Shane will know this from knowing me, I always wanted to be the first man at under 90 to pull that four times body weight. And that's something that can never be took away from me ever. And that was something which I was, to be honest with you, I was very proud of myself for that. Not proud in the sense of like, I'm the main man. It was like, I literally wanted that for so long. When I was the first person to do it, I was fucking buzzing. So for now, as well as that, Dale, you had some crazy good under ninety guys that were all wanting that goal as well. So it wasn't as much as it is like a personal thing. I always think as a competitor, it's nice to do something like you know what I mean. Like when when loads of people are aiming for a milestone, like the first person to pull this, like like for example Eddie Hall, the first yeah. person to pull five hundred, it will it will get if people are getting it will get broke. Yeah. eventually but he will always be the first and you will always be the first to because i'm proud of that as well i was the first under 80 to do yeah, exactly and like you can never get it took away from me and it's like i know like records are there to be broken it's been broke but that was that was down to my own thing where i just thought do you know what i've done that and i to be honest with you i was so fucking like wow you're like you, you, like it's it, 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 respect from peers which i like where it's like 
the people who you're, who you're around and they're like, you know what, Dale, do you remember that? And I'll go, you know what, even in 20 years' time, we'll have a laugh about that. Oh, we've done that. That was fucking brilliant. And it's something which I'll always be proud of and it's something which I always hold like is like a thing for myself where it's like, I like to think in our own country where we've got this really strong base of lightweight and middleweight strongman and if we can start breaking barriers and pushing it, I like to think we're the best in the world. Um, do, so, do you so think you're in a comp then? Would you like to do that? Because that would be four so times. Okay, this is what I was about to touch on. I want to pull the 400 in the gym, that's fine. That's something I'll take. But I will in Wait there, somewhere this, because this, traveling to pull world Dale, records. Dale, you're gonna have to say Say that last bit again. It's fucking it. It's lagged, and I know it was. It, oh shit, shit, shit! It's my. I think it's my internet. Hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? It's fine for it's fine for me. Yeah, but so it's, I want to pull that 420 in competition at 105. One million percent, mate. Um, and I also want to log 190 in competition as a 105 as well, be it that this year or next year. But the 420 will happen in competition 100. percent Will uh, will you be doing that same similar day logging day like like an SFN or something like that? Or no? I'll be honest with you, I just deadlift. I just go with the whole my whole head just on that one lift. Do you know what I mean? Is that, no, for, is no is that for a training thing as well, though? Do you find it hard to peak the log and dead at the same time, or is it more just to get your... I ready? find it hard to peak a squat and deadlift at the same time because my body gets fucked. But an overhead... I used to always do it like this. I used to always do heavy front squats and log, or I'd do um, heavy back squats and push press, or I'd do heavy deadlifts and log, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? It'd either be a squat or a deadlift variation in with, in with overheads. But I've knocked a lot of the rack pressing on the head heavy now because it was Lee who always said, at the end of the day in a competition, you're always going to have to clean it to your shoulders before you press it. Because yeah. the reason no. why I asked you that is something that I noticed you said before at the start. You said that as you're getting older, you're struggling to recover from, uh, you know, going head like the log. You said you take two weeks or so for your knees. And I'm the same, but I'm always in this weird mindset where I'm like, is it because I'm older? Or is it just because now the weight's fucking mad? It's the weight. It's the weight. It's yeah. as simple as that. It's the weight. And it's just like natural progression. It's like me now. I used to train five or six days a week, and now we only train four. But I also train a lot lighter than what I used to, but I'm getting stronger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's Speed what Speed work is something I've picked up a lot on. Speed work. Like... I find if you can get your technique right on speed work, when you start pumping the weights up, you're that used to moving weights fast. And I haven't been lifting as heavy and battering myself all the time. When I do start to come with those heavy weights, I see it as like a nice little treat. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a treat. Yeah, I feel like what I do now is I tell myself I've got to earn my heavy lift mm. by doing a couple of sessions of good graft at lighter weights. And then I'm like, right, you've earned, you've earned it now. in a couple of days I'm going to pull I'm going to put 120 of something and I know it's going to feel fucking terrible and it'll and it, I, I wait until my graft sessions feel fast again yeah. before I go heavy whereas back in the day I'd be able to string together six seven eight weeks of heavy log training in a row I can't Easy. but you imagine that with 140 kilo for example five or six years ago maybe a little bit more and then you're out you've added 40 kilo on top of that now your body's taking an absolute fucking battering do you know what I mean and like what I will say to people is training for a one 
lift is a lot easier than training for a full competition. So if I was training for a full competition, I do, do not do one rep maxes because if I've got York and Farmers today and then I've got sandbag toss and then like a load of medley and then I've got a deadlift for reps, where the fuck can I fit in a max squat or something in there? Because I'm going to be fucking battered, you know what I mean? You need to preserve your energy and do it to what's happening for the now. So for me, so for example, if a one rep max was part of a competition in the sense of a five or six uh, events, I wouldn't actually be training a one rep max cycle to the point where I'm trying to hit a PB. I'd do it to how I felt because for me, it'd be more about point scoring. Yeah. So for example, the closest person to me we might be looking at now when you go, right, we're doing a 105 deadlift competition. That guy is desperately capable of pulling 380. That guy might touch 140. But if I can stay in the top three or four and pull a nice, comfortable 370, 380, I'd rather hit that than try and smash out a 400 and win it. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. That's the, that's the thing I tell my athletes. When they sign up to a comp with a max deadlift in, they're like, Let's get on it. the first thing is they just see max dead. They don't they don't even look at the four events and they're like, I need a dead cycle. I need this. I'm going to up my gear. I'm gonna, and I'm like, boys, it's fucking, you've already got the biggest deadlift there. You know, <laughs> you, let's, you don't even need like pull 20, even if you pull 20 kilo below your max, you're going to come first in that event or, or even top, like I say, top three. Um, but then it's the other four events that are going to win the competition. And I always find in, in, in five event comps, there's one event where I can look at and go, that event there is probably going to decide the winner because it's like single the arm dumbbell. The what? <laughs> single arm dumbbell. <laughs> well, yeah, there's usually like, there's an event like, like a forward hold or a Hercules hold Ugh. or a tire flip. And if I see events like that, I'm like, they're events that people won't be training or grafting because yeah, where are you going to get a, you're going to be able to make a difference to the, your points, aren't you? And that, yeah, yeah fuck exactly. it, right? Yeah, even in a medley, you, you lads know what it's like competing in a medley. I've explained this to quite a few people. One second on a medley can cost you six places. Yeah, um, I was speaking to JF Caron about it, and he says at Worlds in that medley, he said there was four of them on the same second, but he was bottom. Of that second, so he lost like three or four points in one event. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so like daft little things now. So I do a lot more footwork drills, I do more skipping. And like I always say to Ben, I, always, I go, Right, so we've got four kegs to load here, right? It doesn't really matter how long it takes you to load that keg, it's that little burst on the way back that's going to get you get, get your points. So if you can knock half a second off that little burst on the way back, that's two seconds you've knocked off your time. Yeah, completely. So we had Gavin last week. And what I generally do is with the more experienced guys, even though Gavin's not the most experienced strongman in the world, I do this and I'll go, I won't say nothing to them. And I watched him do a load of medley and I watched his first one like that. And I just took him in the gym. I went, right, here's the video. Why are you picking that up like this? You've got a keg down, hanging on your legs and you're fucked. What have you got, Gav? What most people don't have. You've got a big fucking keg and a keg in your hands. So what you do is pick it up like this, load it nice and high, you're tall enough. What happens on his next set? He knocked 15 seconds off his first round just by adjusting where he held something and then took a little bit a little bit more out the gas tank by going a little bit faster in between. 15 yeah. seconds on one event, just by literally looking at one video for a minute and then going, do A, B, C, D, job done. Practice that. 
Because with things like load and medleys and that, if you've got a 170 keg as a heavyweight, you do not need to train with a 170 keg. No. You need to get yourself an ice 100, 120, and practice the speed. Because you could get, them guys are fucking strong enough to pick that keg up. I don't know. Maybe do a few pickups of it. But you need to focus more on the speed in between these medleys to get yeah. your times down and lower. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you agree with that. I've been training people for Norths, and there's a 180 keg in it or something. Mate, Gary Gardner, Gary Gardner is the best in the world at that. I don't know if you've ever seen him before. He's yeah, no, I know he loads it every year, don't he? He's they always disgusting. Put he just he, get, he literally gets a one sixty keg like a crate of beer and just goes, "Way, I'm like that. What the fuck?" But my guys haven't. Well, for starters, I don't think there's many one eighty kegs dotted around the country. But none of my guys have trained over a one forty keg for that. They've just been doing. In fact, most of most have been at one twenty. Like you say, learning where to hold it and all that. I said to him, he said, if you get a 180 keg in every week, you're going to be fucked. <laughs> I was like, your biceps will fall off. Yeah. But the thing is, Dale, like if you can get, if you can find, get a, something like that and you can find a weight where someone can accumulate a load of practice, even if it was a 90 or a 100, and that, that means that in their six week training block, they can get fucking 50 working sets in, 100 working sets or whatever. Like if they get that practice in it, it, even just a moderate weight, like you, you look, even if you're not doing it with a coach, like you learn so fucking much, don't you? Over the course guaranteed of you do. guaranteed you do. What if, what Medleys if I'm or, I'll try a little bit more forward lean or I'll try leading with the left foot, left foot this time, or I'll, I'm going to work on the transition back. I'm going to work on the sprint back this time. There's so much that you can work on to get these, kind of micro gains, isn't there? Yeah, but like you say there, if you've got four kegs and you can knock off 0.2 of a second on each one, there's a second you've knocked off your time. Yeah. And it might not seem a lot, but if you if you win a York or a Farmers by a second, that's a lot. That's a lot in a full strongman competition. It is. It's a fucking massive amount because, like you say, us three could go against each other. Shane could be on 15.1, I could be on 15.6, and you could be on 15.9 and he wins a competition by half a point just by getting that 0.5 of a second faster than me or you. And that's the thing with uh, the things like the, the the lighter training as well, that stuff like talking about bag throw before. When when I was training Luke for Worlds, he was he was fast at bag throw. We got him, I got him fast. But I didn't know what the standard was because I'd never trained anybody for, uh, you know, a world's level bag throw. And also the guys at the comp, I wasn't too familiar with what they were going to get. And he got like, I think it was like 25 seconds or something. And then he came like sixth or something. But then it was like 25. He was on like 25.6. It was like 25.2, 24.8, 24. Point, I mean, I like, yeah, I was like, it's like two, two seconds would have got him like six, seven points or something. And uh, now it's like, right, we need to shave off two seconds. So we've got to look at, like you can't waste any time setting up your swing. You can't waste any time between the bags. Like you got to get like proper fine to find them extra like set like a second. The worst thing about keg bag throw is it's great going for speed and attacking it. But do you find sometimes lads do that really awkward thing where they get a little bit overzealous by trying to go that little bit too fast and they end up fucking it and it costs them five seconds. It's one yeah. of those events which you actually have to attack. Do you know what I mean? Because you can't leave nothing a chance. If you go too fast and get a bad swing, oh, it so just annoying. goes the wrong way. You don't go high enough. And so you've got to like, you've got to be fast 
and rushy, but like controlled and perfect. It's a proper, it's a really, I really enjoy that event, you know. I think it's, well, I, know, uh, I, know, I know I sound like a broken record on this, but like stuff like that, like those mistakes where you're being overzealous and rushing it and making a mistake, like all this can be ironed out with by, by practicing and practicing. Experience like, conquers all, in my opinion. I'll be absolutely honest with you. I know. I sound like a broken record with this experience crack and I sound like a 50-year-old man, right? But we're all quite young. And especially me and you, Shane, we've got a lot of years in the gym, a lot of years on the platform, a lot of years in different sort of strength sports. It's when you come across people and you've seen them making the mistakes you've made yourself as a coach, that is very important because when you grab someone quite fresh who's making these mistakes, you can really help them. The hardest part is, I find, when you take someone who's a little bit older, I don't know about you, when someone's a little bit older and they've got this way of training and trying to break them out of this habit yeah. where you say to them, I cannot do anything with you in 12 weeks. You need to give me six, nine months to a year to actually get you how I need you to be. So you've got to be patient with me. I've had a lad recently say, Dale, I've been with you three months and you haven't let me max out yet. And I go, because... You aren't even fucking ready to max out. I feel weaker than what I was. I said, yeah, because I've literally pulled everything back and sorting all your technique working on it. Do you know how long it takes me on a fucking weekend to sit and look at all your videos and write you a new plan out because I don't copy and paste everything because I'm not a knob cheese and do all these exercises custom to you. And then what happens the next few days? E God, I can't believe what you've just told me. I've just went in there and smashed a log PB and it's the easiest I've ever done it. I went, Punching the screen, I was like, mate, I said, because do you think I'd just take your money off you and don't want to help you? I said, no. My my main point as a coach is, number one, is injury prevention. That is number one for me, is your safety. So I'm not going to let you go and do a max deadlift every three weeks because it's fucking pointless. You're not going to get nowhere. Number two, it's all about technique. And number three, it's all about making you a better all-round athlete. That's what 3D strength stands for. I like to think every single person who I trained is well-conditioned in a competition scenario where they're going to finish every single event throughout the full competition and they're going to be as fresh at the start as what they were at the end because I want you to do your best in all the events. I want you to be an all-round athlete. I'm just not going just because you're a deadlift specialist or you say you're a deadlift specialist doesn't mean I'm just going to work on your deadlift. You're going to work all your weak areas, and that's how it is. And if you don't like it, then unfortunately we're going to have a little bit of an issue because I want to make you a better athlete, not not build your ego. Yeah, yeah. And that, someone's that coming to you to be a strong man. You need to tell them, don't you? Well, you know, sixty percent of your training can't be focused around the deadlift. That's what it is nowadays. I mean, I can't talk because I do it, but I, I, I feel like I've done my time and I, I do it now because it's, it's fun, but it's not a deadlift and log comp. It's a strongman comp. And I think people's training nowadays is too focused around uh, a big a big log and dead. And, and when you put the graph bits in, like the medley work and the loading and the front carries and this and that, like for me, <laughs> it's like people... Mate, you want to see some of this shit? I'm able to do an accessory days. Like... Back days and things like that, and they're like, what the fuck's all this? I go, listen, if you fucking want a fucking strong everything, you need a strong upper back and a posterior chain. And that doesn't mean I'm going to make you do heavy weights. That means you're getting 250 rear delts to finish this training session off and a shitload of grip work. One thing people do really, 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 really neglect, lads, is grip training. And I'm not saying you need the best grip in the world, but some people are really good at kinky one rep max grip stuff. But if you're doing like a farmer's, you're doing like a Hercules hold, you're doing like a medley at the end of a competition and your grip starts going, 
you're going to really struggle to keep hold of things. And not just that, gripping endurance on things like log um, on logs, cleaning presses, things like that. The tighter you can grab hold of something, the more muscles you recruit. People log, clean it to your chest and not tight hold of it. Oh. No, I mean, and I, I'm a big believer it works. I'll do like two grip days a week at the end of a session. Like things like um, I've started implementing a lot of stuff like um, behind back holds of 140 kilo. I'll hold it for 30 yeah, seconds, and rest for one minute, hold it again, and keep going to the hand on my fingers. And also like back grip holds with the orange ones, they are absolutely horrendous, foul. But I found now even daft little things. You know, it's like you know when you walk around the gym and you pick up like a 20 kilo plate and you go to load it, and you go, oh yeah, that feels nice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I like I like a nice strong powerful grip. I think it's very very important in strongman. Yeah, definitely. That that it's definitely it's something that I've brought in brought in more recently in the last three or four months, and definitely feel a benefit. Uh, You've been doing some bits of Mark, haven't you? Is it has Mark been doing? Yeah, well, well he's he's come down, he, he's came down and did a bit on the dinnies and. Um, I thought he'd shown you a few uh, a few grip setups and stuff. To I've see. never tried them. Are they any good dinny stones? It, it's just a it's just a variation like because that's what i'll do with like the grip stuff is like each week I'll, I'll do like a farmer's day or frame or whatever like a moving grip kind of stuff mm. uh, where i'll cycle variation some days i might do fat grip some days i'll do farmers or frame or whatever and then i'll do a secondary like upper body day where i'll do uh, static holds so like i might do like 60 mil or i might do pinch block i might do dinnies one week i might do hangs but just mm. generally getting the getting the grip I'll give you a good one after your heavy frame or farmers wax some fat grips on about 60 kilo each hand and keep doing 15 minutes there and back until you give out in between them 15 minutes there and back what? 15 meters 15 meters there 15 meters back and as soon as you hit the end zone you've got to turn straight around and go back in you can't rest and you fail when you drop in this dead zone Try that. Your forearms end up being like the man of scary movie. <laughs> it's class. It's mid. It's like a really weird feeling as well. And also things like um, uh, plate pinch farmers to grab like two tens or two fives on the smooth side and just farmers walk up and down the gym until you can't do no more. Do you know what I mean? They're good little burnout exercises. You know, it's really, really like a bit. It's a lot of it's a mental thing as well, where you just think, keep, keep old, keep old, please, please keep old. It's, it's it's so common that you see like all levels of strongman that you see people like strong lads and they're struggling with the grip, and uh, and and the thing is, it's just it, it, it it's it's actually quite easy to slot into a training program, isn't it? Because it's like it's it's dead easy to recover from, isn't yeah, it? Do you know what Odd Haugen said something quite a few years ago, and I always remember it. It was say it was somewhere along the lines of this: grip training is the one thing that takes the longest to build, but it's the last thing to go as a strength athlete. So the older you get, your grip is the last thing that diminishes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I remember him always saying that when he was still competing at Worlds and when he's in his later days, and he says that's where a lot of the thing that kept him going. And if you even look at him now, Odd Haugen's an absolute, he's the Yoda when it comes to grip. And like, I think grips on those things, even as you get a little bit older, it's always something you can push yourself on in different variations. There's that many different things to do. Right. So last, last little bit, we're going to talk, we've talked about Dale as the athlete. We've talked about a bit on coaching philosophy, um, which has been really interesting. So let's talk, talk about 
like sport development and uh, you as a promoter and what you're doing. So we've, um, so I, I got in contact with you with the, uh, to help us out with the, the uh, under, under 80s uh, Britons that we've put on. Yep. And we've asked you to uh, commentate with Shane and um, that, that guy with the weird shoes, with the <laughs> pedo lad. Um, so we actually doing this commentating there. I didn't know what was going yeah, on. Yeah, fucking right. Yeah, I think it'd be brilliant. You, you, th- you, th- oh. you three, definitely. Um, Can I get my microphone turned off during the uh, Axel event, whatever it is? <laughs> the belt, I'm, belt, going, belt. I'm going for a break on that one. <laughs> you can just rinse them; it'll be fine. I'm going to be. I'm going. I'm. I'm. I'm head referee on that one. No ref. Do you mean I pressed it? Nah, it didn't go up properly. I didn't like it. So, um, talk talk to us about your about your one twenty show that you're putting on. So, so by the way, I f- I think it's absolutely brilliant that all of us guys like a quite, like a few people think that because we're in the same industry doing a similar thing that people are like competing against each other and people have to like say like a big thing out what what me and Shane have done well at growing our businesses is actually we we fucking supported each other for as long as we've known each other. And actually, I I love the stuff he does. He loves the stuff that I do. And we recommend each other. We recommend other people and stuff. And you see so many people within this industry who are like nitpicking at others or slagging people off or whatever. And I just think there's so many people out there to help and uh, that we can all get better that that I, I think that I think there's so many people who are suited to your style of promoting, coaching, your philosophy, people who are more suited to Shane, people who are more suited to mine. I think there's so much pie for everybody to share. And I think the more that we promote each other and help each other get better, the better it is for the whole sport. Because at the end of the day, the three of us, I know I don't know you very well, Dale, but the three of us, we've got a fucking, we've all got a set of balls and we'll fucking do something. We'll, we'll, we'll actually, we come up with an idea and we'll actually follow it through. And, uh, the most important thing about this sport is, right, for it to grow, is people, regardless of who they are or where they're from, can all take part in it, right? And it's called strong man and strong woman for a reason because you've got to be strong to do it. And that's one thing I'm very, 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 very thingy about. To be a strong man and a strong woman, you've got to be strong, right? Because that's part of the sport. You can't play football if you shit football, for example, or rugby. But what I will say is promoters and people involved in the sport need to stop bringing each other down and work together to help the sport move forward. So why can't you have people who own five different gyms all work together to create competitions and create equal opportunities for everyone to progress and make the sport more accessible to people to watch, to compete, and to grow? That's rule number one. We all need to work together to make the sport better for what it is. Um, Number two, I also think that by coaches working together, it also gives opens your mind to new ideas. So, yeah, like, that's fucking brilliant. you might specialise in something I might not know much about. I remember someone the other week messaged me about training the suit, uh, and I told it I'll go and speak to you because I'll be honest with you, I don't have a clue. I just put it on and I put the straps on and I lift the weight. I don't really know about quick lifting because I'm 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 a little bit stupid if I'm honest with you that sort of way. But on the other end of the scale, um. I'm not very good at breaking things down, so I couldn't do a video the way Shane does it on the fucking sandbag or the keg toss because I or the log, because I'm more. If you come and see me, I will speak to you in person and I can take you through things a lot better than what I can over a video. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Whereas some people are a lot more intellectual. So like you said about everyone's got a different coaching and training yeah. style. Um, as for moving this sport forward, what we've seen in like the heavyweight competitions is you've got like different organisations where people get invites to places and where people don't get invites to places and that. And it's a little bit harsh sometimes because like qualifying routes and all that sort of shit, but whatever. But as a lightweight and a middleweight strongman, because it's still relatively quite new when it's starting to build, we can build it in this country from a strong point of view where we've got all the best people involved. It can only go one way and that's a up. Yeah, that's what I like about... There's a lot. There's well. There's a lot of coaches that I really respect. Obviously, you two are two of them, but Luke Luke Davies as well, off the top of my head. And uh, there's probably a lot. I could probably name fucking loads more. But the, I like the coaches that don't just. I I really think that it's uh, people think it's a lifestyle kind of job where I just get 10, 15 clients paying me hundred quid. I get a wage and I'm happy. I can train and I get a good lifestyle out of it. And they don't put anything back into the sport. They just are coaching. And I like people that are wanting to run comps and do different things. And put like like me, the way I the way I help the sport, I think, is I, I want to put information out there. And I also know that I I'm quite I'm quite good at certain lifts which attract attention. Now, I, I know that me logging 180 in the gym strict is going to get loads of views and stuff, but I don't care about it from the point of view of me personally. But I like the fact that that draws a bit of attention to the lightweight scene. Like people have messaged me like, oh, I didn't even fucking know you could get that strong at under 90. You know, how do I do? I'm like, well, fucking, you know, look at these comps, look at this, get a coach, go to a gym gets people involved so I, I look at it like what I want to do for sport is put out good information and try and attract some new people to it by you know the, the good videos I mean I know it sounds stupid but that's Larry Wheels got loads of people into strongman and he he only did it for like he only did fucking like two comps you know what I mean but he attracted loads of attention to it and uh, you're doing it through the Britain's uh, on the, the new weight class I think it's brilliant because there's so many people stuck in that purgatory zone where they're 115 to 125 they're a bit too big for the 105s but they're a bit too small for the yeah uh, weight class so you filled this spot that I think really did need to be when I first mentioned it to people, a few people said, oh, I don't really see the point of it. And I was like, right, listen, I said, I'll take your opinion on board because I, I appreciate it because it was certain people I asked and some of my mates and they even said to me, oh, I'm not interested in it. I was like, I oh, am, that's fine, I don't mind. But I said, exactly what you just said there, I thought, right, listen, how many lads that we, that we know that might sit at like 115 or 125 kilo, 130 kilo? There's fucking loads. And like some people don't want to diet down for the 105s and they don't feel like they're quite big enough to do the opens. Um, Martin C tried to run the 120s a couple of times, but I, just, I feel like with the right push over a couple of years, it yeah. can start to become like, oh, the 120s is on. So this year, it was an open invite, basically. So people got in touch with me. And obviously, there's certain people who are doing it. Glenn Cutler, Luke Davies, Matthew McKeegan, guys like that are doing it. Paro Dwyer's coming over. Donovan was coming fucking as a special guest and things like that. So this is the start of it. And then what I want to do is maybe next year, the year after, speak to a couple of guys down south in the Midlands. They can run a qualifier. I'll run the Northern qualifier. And then we have a championships. And then who knows? We could have an open invitational where we go, right, the European 120 kilo championships. We go, right, a top five from um, Britain's 120s. 
and I'm going to send out four or five invitations. And if I've got the fucking funding and all that sort of stuff, I'll pay for your flights over. And then we could have like a European championship and go from there. Why not? The possibilities are endless. But it's all about taking the baby steps first to see how many people join in, how many people do it. I've got um, the trophies are bang on. There's prize money. It's only 250 quid to start. But I think as a first year for a new weight class, it's not bad. We've only a few sponsors. I, I think it's brilliant. And, and I think a lot of the thing with the prize money as well, like, doesn't, like whether, you, whether you're competing for fucking 50 quid, if, I, if I'm competing for a quid, right, I'll like, it just fucking sets a bite. Like, if I'm betting somebody 10 pence or something, like, it just fucking sets me alight. I d- I'm not bothered about whether I'm competing for 10 pence. I'd be happy with a case of nourishment, mate. Or, or, or 100 quid. <laughs> I, think, I think it's the actual thing of, of actually having, like, an extrinsic, that kind of extrinsic motivator that, oh, you know what? We're actually competing for a bit of money here. There's a bit of prize money. Like, I don't think it matters how much that. I, I just think it's a massive step forward having something there for them. I think it's brilliant. Well, I'm going to speak to Mark, see what he says. I get along with Mark Mark very well. And you never know. If I can put it out there that the fucking 120s is a success, then the year after, I'll put it in a bigger venue. You know what I mean? That's not a problem. But I wanted to start off small, keep the cost down to start with, and just see how it goes to start with. You know what I mean? Got some good trophies out there, big axes. I'm getting the medals are made out of all um, recycled rain cans. I know a guy who runs a recycling company is going to make all the, the medals out of them. Things like that. Do you understand, like, little quirky things? Yeah, yeah. And then I like to think the events are pretty well suited to everyone. They're pretty all well-rounded. There's nothing which is like... I, I want to see Max Lifton be, be left now for Max events. Does that make sense? Like a, like a deadlift championships, a log championships. I like that. I think, I think we've seen too much log and deadlifting in a full competition now. I think it's been... Past five years, it's been a lot of that. Yeah. I want strongman to get back to strongman. Do you know what I mean? And like that's all, that's all what I'm trying to do. But I like to think with my own personality, I can all also get people a little bit excited for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, hey, we're fucking let's get the 120s up and going. Come and see the lads compete. It'll be a good laugh. And if I'm there on the microphone and Marcus is there, we'll all have a good laugh and everyone will enjoy it. And that's the whole point for me is about the guys who are competing and the guys who are watching actually physically enjoy the show itself. Because at the end of the day, strongman is all about. Sure, we want to see freaky people do freaky shit. And that's what it's all about. Like you just mentioned there, Shane. People are going to view a video of a 180 log on that from a lightweight. People watch it and go, holy fucking shit. And it also goes for anyone. Like, if you don't know what a Conan's wheel is, and then you see this big gaff start running circles of a Conan's wheel, go, what the fuck's he doing? That just looks absolutely stupid. I don't know. Next year, I might put me in like a helmet and let them chuck me over a barrier or something, like a midget toss event. Who knows? <laughs> the possibilities are endless. <laughs> but yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, do you know what it is? This sport thrives off people having passion. And you can't be a good coach. You can't be a good competitor. You can't be a good promoter unless you want what's best for the sport to move forward. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not doing this to make fucking money out of it, even though if I did eventually make some money out of it, that'd be great. I could get myself a new fucking quad extension or something from eBay. I don't know, that'd be great. But apart from that, do you know what I mean? It's all about putting back into the sport because it's the only way this sport is going to get going. I think we're lucky it's starting to move forward from from everyone seeing it as a car park sport to maybe seeing it a little bit more now. And who knows, in the next 10 years, we might start getting some... What I'd like to speak to you about eventually, guys, is you know, like the way they have the Strongman Corporation in America where they've got lightweights who are professionals. 
why can't we do that one day and have professional strongmen in the lightweight ranks? And, it, it, and that's not to say that they're a professional sportsman in the sense they're going to get paid fucking 10 grand every month. But if you can be a sportsman and you know you can do an event where you're going to get a pro card from it, how many more people is that going to draw this 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 community? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's a brilliant idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah the, American, the Americans have it. Uh, I mean, I know it's a bigger country and whatnot, but they have it laid out really nice. And uh, I think it gives you that. Like, they have the amateurs and the pros, don't they? And it gives you that sense of achievement when you get your pro card because you've had to earn it. Whereas over here, it's like, do a novice comp. Right, now you've fucking got to do a qualifier, mate. Um, there's, you don't have to earn your right to get to the qualifying, you know what I mean? Well, well, well I guess people do. There's like an unwritten rule, isn't there, that you kind of do a few novices before you step up. But it would be nice if there was something specific where you had to place... You know, a pro card qualifying comp, top two get, you know, the pro card or whatever. You've got to earn it and then you get to move on. I think it would just give, it just gives more incentive and it also opens up more competition um, to, to athletes to get them to compete more often because at the moment, as like an under 90, you're mainly going to go over the open qualifier and then hopefully try and go to England. If you don't qualify, then you just kind of pick these odd comps around. Whereas if you had to, you know, if there were certain comps that had pro cards up for grabs, that opens up like two or three more comps that you can do uh, and, and try and like build your, build your name and get, get to these high level comps. So I think that definitely, some of that I've thought about a lot is how it can grow. Well, not the sports, I'd say, but more more the lightweight scene. Because I think the lightweight Yeah, scene... I agree with the lightweight thing. I agree. And the only way the lightweight scene can move forward is the guys who've been competitive and the, who are around that environment, who know what's going on with a smart head on the shoulders to make that actually grow and then start putting foundations there and putting the time into it. And, like, who knows? Why can't it happen? Because we need to take this sport away from being just a back backyard sport and literally where it's got a good base, a good foundation, and it gets a little bit more respect. Do you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, when you watch combat sports, you watch combat sports, there's heavyweight fighters and stuff like that, right? And they are the bee's knees. But the lighterweight guys get just as much respect in them sort of sports as what the heavyweight guys do. So why can't that happen in our sport? There's no reason why it can't. If I had a million, if I had like 10 million quid, I'd fucking make something. I've said this a lot of times to people. I'd make something like UFC, but for fucking, but for fucking strongman. Because... I'm not being funny, but there are a lot, a lot of heavyweights. No offense, are boring. That even in even in combat sports, a lot of heavyweights are boring. You get you get the odd with a good person like, like Tyson Fury and stuff like that. But a lot of heavyweights are a bit boring, and they're just exciting to watch because they're knocking cunts out and killing him. And like in uh, in strongman, it's exciting because they're just pulling crazy weights. But a lot of lightweights, like McGregor, the biggest fighter in the world, pretty much now. But he's 155, 170 pounds. And because he's got a personality on him, as well as talent and gift and hard work, there's a lot of lightweights that have got good, like you. You've got a good personality. You fucking imagine getting you on a fucking Ultimate Strongman interview after an event or something, saying some magic. Yeah. You know I did the Strongman Champions League once, right? He had four days' notice, right? <laughs> I remember the guy went, Oh my God, you've just won that event. I was at Freela when. Uh, I don't know. I said, I only found out about this four days ago. I didn't even train for it. And he went, can't say that. And I went, well, it's the truth. It's the truth. 
Yeah, that's what I, I mean. Know. The sport needs like I know it, I know it, and people don't like this about it. People people think oh, it's all about strongman and this and this. And I'm like, it is, but to get people interested, you gotta have like some characters, some bit of personality, a bit of fucking entertainment as well, because that's what sport's all about, really. It's about the people watching it, enjoying themselves. Yeah. Um, and I we think need a Paro Dwyer there that. for everyone. What? We need Paro Dwyer there for everything. Uh, yeah, Paro Dwyer. <laughs> he's whole, a boy on him, And I fucking love them videos he does, you know. You need a whole... <laughs> He's fucking mint, man. I tell you, it was like that as well, you know. Um, Luke Stormman's like that, you know. Fuck, God, I swear down, lads. He's a funny guy, him. He's a funny, funny man. Proper, yeah, proper you funny. You can tell, though, because he's so, And so that's so genuine as well, you know. That's proper yeah, but, genuine, that. Yeah, but his voice, like, he's got a bit of a... Pre his voice has a presence in him. When he speaks, like, yeah. I feel like I've got to listen. I'm like, fucking yeah. hell. Like, I'd like someone to do a documentary of my life from Luke's The voiceover. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a Morgan Freeman, David Attenborough, Luke Stoltman. Luke seems to have that mode where, like, he's he's all into his sport. He's fucking completely committed, but then take him away, take a step back. Like he doesn't take himself too seriously on a personal level, does he? Like, and just has a fucking laugh and takes the piss. Like like us three, really. Like that's what. Yeah. Like when you're doing your thing, like you're completely focused, but. He's still got that good Scottish banter, hasn't he? So we just Tom's like that, you know. Tom's got cheeky banter, cheeky crack. Like he won't say nothing for about an hour, and he'll just come out with something. Like I was sat there on a on a stool, and Lee was taking the piss out of me because I'm fat. And then Tom just popped <laughs> his head around the corner and just went, "I, I can see your love handles popping out from the side." And I was like, "Ah, oh, oh, nice one, mate!" And everyone just started laughing at me. Just this little fucking pouch hanging over me shorts. <laughs> my shorts. My little chub rub and all that. But yeah, I agree with that. Personality is very important. And like, do you know what it is? You've got to draw people in who necessarily aren't doing the sport at elite level, but they, they love it and they enjoy it. So like yeah. the people who buy, I'll give you an example, the people who go on, on the Silverback website and buy the Luke Richardson T-shirt with his, his name signed and that. Those are the people who make this sport and those are the fans of the sport who buy the tickets to go to shows. They're the ones who go on people's Instagrams. They're the ones who share the videos. The guys and ladies were really, really invested in the sport, the people who, who follow it. You know what I mean? They're the guys you need to draw in. It's not necessarily the people who compete. It's the people outside of it who watch it. They're the people who need to be drawn in. They need to be drawn into it by a personality. <laughs> yeah, and as well, I, I just think that if the lightweights got exposed to those people... They'd, you'd get fans, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why don't why don't good lightweight strongmen have fucking fans? You know what I mean? They've just got other lightweights that follow them. You know what I mean? And they have they have some people that 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 that, that are fans of the lightweight scene. But whenever I've gone, I've watched fucking hundreds of strongman comps over the years, and I've always always enjoyed myself at the under nineties the most, and also the under sixty three women's. Have been always. Oh, mate, the women's comp. category's dynamite, by the way. Fucking brilliant. Yeah, I fucking every time I've watched an under 63 comp, I love watching I love watching Rhiannon, she's a savage. I love watching Chloe Brennan and um who else is there that's really fucking good? I just there's there's loads of under 63 girls. Shannon, Clifford, uh, they're just they just push themselves to the absolute brink. 
and the mindset when they're lifting is a different level in the female category. I think they just can take the body like I don't know. They just seem to go firm. I don't know what it is. And the under ninety men as well. I think it's like everyone's a little man. The chip on the shoulder. I fucking love it. And they just uh, everyone's mad and batty. Uh, like like Josh. I was White trying to get Amph to put in a wrestling a wrestling one on that. He was he wouldn't he wouldn't let me do it. I wanted to do a wrestling event. What like a fucking Kazmaier one? Yeah, I really wanted to do it. I wanted me versus that? Jake Allen to see who wins. As long as his brother didn't beat me up afterwards, I was happy with it. <laughs> yeah, you'd, be all right. you'd be all right at that with all your, your grappling you used to do. Yeah, still, Jake is a fucking wrestling, but we weren't allowed any clothes. That's why we weren't allowed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking pants off, but his dad would end up joining in. Do you still grapple or not? Do you still do MMA and stuff? No, not? I've always said this. Um, I'm, I aim to compete in strongman for the next six years until I'm about 35, and then I, I want to go and get my BJJ black belt. That's something I want to chase. I'm a blue belt at the moment, um, but I haven't grappled in about three years now, but it's something I'm definitely going to go back to and take on 100%. Um, the fighting side of it, the, the Muay Thai and kickboxing and all that, I'll be absolutely honest with you, because I ain't done it from a young age, I used to rely on my athletic ability and my strength. So stand-up, I was never absolutely unbelievable. As a grappling side of it, I really enjoyed it, so that's something I'm definitely going to go back to. Yeah, that's good. I didn't know if you uh, didn't know if you kept it up on the side or anything because I know it's. Uh, I ended up snapping it in half, mate. I ended up having a bicep hanging off my fucking shoulder or something. I'm, I'm ah, too, right. The thing is with me, I'm too all one one thing. I've got to be really on it. Like I can't do two or three things. I I've got to be switched on with one thing. You know what I mean? Um, that's something which I just just like I am as a person. That and all or nothing. Never mind, Yeah, I know the feeling. Man. I know the feeling. So obviously, like Josh with his belt cleans, it's all on off, and in it to take on the chin. <laughs> right, moving on. So, uh, <laughs> ha ha ha. Let's move on, guys. So the uh, obviously we've talked about the 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 under eighties Britain's strongest man on here and promoted it with the details and stuff. So can you just g- give us some details of the um, of like the date of the of the one twenty? So hopefully some of the guys listening can. Uh, yeah, seventh um, of August at three D Strength, Darlington, County Durham. Um, it's going to be a, a pretty cool competition. I think we've got 23 lads in it so far. Yeah. I always give or take 10 people for pulling out last minute, which always fucking happens in every single strongman comp. You always do. Yeah. But as long as we've got a good solid 15 people, which I believe we're going to, going to have, it's going to be a really good show. Um, with me, my shows are generally quite fast-paced. But to be fair, if you've got 20 lads doing it, they'll probably take about an hour each event pretty much. But I like it to be fast-paced. I like everyone to have a fun time. Um, I've got a lad called Ben Joyce. I don't know if these guys know me. He's coming down doing yeah, the um, scoring and things like that. So. Yeah, so, so all the scoring is going to be done perfectly. I've got experienced referees with myself. Marcus is going to be helping out. Ben Williams is going to be helping out. So I'll do a good rules briefing, that sort of stuff. And it, do you know what? I'm just really looking forward to seeing the guys get at it in this new weight category. Um, I've got some little ideas for the outfits everyone's going to wear. Do you know what I mean? Where you're from, you're going to get this different colour top and all that sort of stuff. Um, you're going to see a big announcement of a competition coming at the end of the year soon as well. I can't really share it yet, but it will be out in a few days. Um, it's for Aaron Page. So oh, brilliant. that's another thing which you're going to which keep your eyes peeled out for that one, lads. That's going to be absolutely fucking brilliant. That's why I've been trying to find those fucking anarchy strength farmers for ages and we finally got hold of them. I don't know if you've ever used the United States. I have, farmers. yeah. The, the How bad are they? The, yeah, the worst farmers in history. Yes, and I found them. They were in Gloucestershire. They used to be in, uh, like, 
I've used them a couple of times. They used to just get used all the time. I don't know why. Yeah, they're all, they're all, they've been all over the place, and it, trying to track them down was fucking solid. But there's a guy's. I've got in touch with a guy from a guy who sold them to another guy. So we've got all of them now. We've got we've got some really good things coming up with that. So I remember um, that was on Sugden Barbell, people would be like, "Right, the farmers say one ten, but make sure you're training around one forty because uh, yeah. make sure fun. you put some shin guards on outside your shins, no yeah. matter what happens, because they're absolutely yeah. They're basically like the rogue farmers are from Worlds, but square and on roids. Yeah, because weren't they from? Uh, didn't Tom Hibbert have them for a while? Maybe, mate. They've been everywhere. They've yeah, been so absolutely I everywhere. Being, I remember him being... They, a, they yeah. are the official strongman slags of farmers. <laughs> <laughs> proper. You know proper. They've absolutely been everywhere. What they use for the for the dinnies, they use uh, like a uh, drain pipe on the legs, like a bit of drain pipe and then Velcroed round. We could use that for the... So you know it'd skim off rather than... Uh, yeah, mate. The, the brutal like. If I take the leg kick off a tie, you're not going to fucking be very, very well the next day then. But yeah, yeah the they just have like bruised IT bands and calves oh. and shit from them. Uh, absolutely shocking. They just knock it a bit. But no, it's a good bit of kit. So we've got a, we've got a good announcement coming up with that very soon, which should be absolutely fantastic for the whole British strongman scene, that sort of thing, which is going to be absolutely spot on. Was that Yeah, mate. It was like the original Lim and Loz. Yeah, like the original... I, was, I was picturing it then. I was thinking... Yeah, he was one of the original. Him and, him and Loz were the original, like Mister Anarchy strengths. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah trying to make it quite a um, quite quite personal, like a personal little touch, and getting on with Aaron and that. That was like a, that was like a massive thing. Why I've sort of switched my training round into going for that one hundred and five log record for him because he basically, obviously, coaching Aaron and that sort of stuff, and the type of person he is, he was a fucking nutcase. And he always used to, what did he used to call me? A weak little piece of shit, I mean, he used to call me. Um, there's always something along those sort of lines. And he, he used to always tell me some numbers he wanted me to get in it. So the log's been pushing for him, really, if I'm honest with you, more than anything. It's just sort of like a little trigger. So it's something I want to make him proud of because he was a massive ambassador for a British strongman in this country, I do believe. And he, he, there you go. There's a guy who had personality. So I want to pass that on for him. Yeah, I, I think he's absolutely class. Uh, yeah, I've... Knew him such a long time, and uh, I think his progress on log and his leg. I always look at him as the I always think he's got the best leg drive oh. I've ever seen on a log press. Like, unbelievable. it is clean, mate. It was just him, Luke, and Hicksy have got the most mad log cleans known to man. It's fucking insane. Like, do you remember Luke at that feature strength? Did he clean the 230 log five times or something? It was something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Luke's cleans. Wait, it's so far away from what he can do. It looks like it's mad. It looks like he could do. It looks like he could clean two sixty or something. When he <laughs> yeah, he does. Talking of that, have you seen that lasher? The um, the the uh, the, the weightlifting dude. I've seen him at the moment. The form he's on. Yeah, he's two fifty five cleaning the other day, didn't he? Did you see his two fifteen snatch in the training hall? Like it was literally like sixty kilo bar. Yeah, yeah, fucking, I'd love to see someone like him get on a log, you know. I'm always interested Me in that. Me too. Something I've always been interested in that. Like, so you think of Mikhailka Clive. Was, 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 was Misha's best log 210 or 215? 210, wasn't it? It was, a, it, was, was, a, right? it was just over 200, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was about that. I think he's got the Russian log record about 210, but don't quote me on that one. Don't quote me on that one. I might be wrong. But he was... 
an elite level weightlifter, and then you've got a guy there who's even better. What the fuck could he actually do as a strong as as like a log lift specialist? Yeah, because I think he had a. I think he's got a two fifty clean and jerk. Mm. So he's down about thirty five kilo ish, maybe maybe a bit like maybe a bit more, maybe maybe forty kilo down. So, uh, but but he was split jerking the log as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it always interested me because I would like to, I like to believe that elite strongmanist in me would like to believe that two thirty big Z he's got two twenty eight or whatever he's got. I would like to think that a weightlifter couldn't just transition over and take it. I would like to think they would have to dedicate like, a long time to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I still I will still say to this day the greatest overhead lift ever. And it's not Eddie Hall's strict press, even though that was absolutely fucking foul on the axle. That was mental. It's the Jonas Sabikas, four reps on the Austrian Orc 205 kilo clean and press is the most impressive overhead feat ever. I think that is savage. What do you think about the shit Iron Bibby's doing, though, at the moment? Um, this is 260 standing strict press. Let's see that in competition. That's what I want to see that. Yeah, no, that's what I want to say as well, because I, I never know, because he's a... Uh, that's a prime example, by the way. He can't fucking clean it, so what's the point? Like, it, that's where he gets let down, isn't it? The likes of the likes of Hixie and Luke and Z and all them are, have been there and done it in competition and on stage and fucking with the big lads and competed at Worlds and blah, 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 blah. That's, that's my only thing with IBB is, like, it's all right when you're surrounded with your crew and all that sort of stuff. When you put on that stage, he didn't. He, he got two twenty once, didn't he? Was that right? The World Log Championship. Yeah, I think he failed. He failed the record. After yeah. That. So that's just pure conditioning. It looked like. Um, but to me, if he's hitting those, if he's doing a strict press of two hundred and sixty kilo, and he can transfer that over the log, what's saying that guy can't do a two forty log then? Yeah, no, that's because I'm interested in seeing, but 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 what they don't compete, does he? Are they ever, I don't know why he doesn't compete. I've heard loads of mixed stories about visa issues and all this stuff, but um, it maybe it's the fact maybe he wants to compete and he just can't, and it's and you know it's not his fault, but it does seem that he's a bit of a gym lifter, doesn't it? Mm, he's a monster, though. I, I, do you know what? Someone like him, I'd love to see him just go and smash it as well because, like. It, it, it creates this whole, like, Jesus Christ, who's this big freak? Because I think as an all-round strong man, he's, sounds, don't make it sound like a douchebag. I mean, like, he's, he's all okay. He's an okay strong yeah, man. He, he ain't going to win worlds, is he? Let's yeah, play. he's an okay strong man. But as a freaky overhead specialist, he's clearly fucking good. He's absolutely unbelievable. But I always, I've got this really funny feeling in my head it's going to be between... Hixie and Luke Stoltman still. For some reason, I'd love to see them peak both at the same time and really go head-to-head and see what happens. Do you know what I mean? Because... Yeah, I'm hoping Hixie's bicep comes back properly because I know he's been struggling a little bit with uh, the log since Mm. that tear. So, fingers crossed, he can get back to best because I think he's definitely got he, he's one of the people, he's one of the humans that has the potential to do the record oh, all, Look at him when he's powerlifting debut though Hixie, statically strong is, my opinion, the strongest man, the strongest strong man there is, all mm. around static strength. Because yeah, he's dead he's dead and his log and um, his squat uh, his bench press the fucking log bench, but our then lads, our then we'll say this. I know we've battered on a little bit, right? If you could have 
a strongman powerlifting meet, what five strongmen would you put there? What, strongmen to do a powerlifting meet? Yeah, if we had to pick five strongmen now to do a powerlifting meet, are we? And they're all fit. Big Z would have to be a number one one. Yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Big Z and Eddie Hall as well. Like Ed, Eddie, like Prime Eddie. Um, I would have loved to have known what he could have done in powerlifting. Agree, agree. That would have been sick. Because he was summer else money at that time it, it was summer but but then there's always them unanswered questions like what can he pull without straps and uh, <laughs> stuff like that so it's, it'd be interesting to to know what about um jf caron yeah. yeah and um i would uh, i'd be interested just to see just to see how much of a difference it would be, I would love to see Novikov because I don't think he would do amazingly well, but I think it would prove that you don't need to be good at powerlifting to be good at strongman, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some really, because like a lot of people don't give him enough credit, but I always, always, always batter on about him. It's fucking Mark Henry because that guy was an absolute freak. Oh, yeah. My, uh, freak. From the remember when he did the Apollons the first time? Oh my god, man! What a fucking fucking phenomenal, phenomenal all round. And you've got to think that guy was Olympic weightlifter. He was a world record holding powerlifter at the time. He won the Arnold Classic and all that sort of stuff. And he was a he, he was a guy who was a fucking animal, pure animal. And you know what? I actually I've been told by a lot of people that have been that I've been lucky enough to know a few good Americans that like know of him from gyms and stuff. And a lot of people swear that he's 100% natural. And I kind of believe it because if you just look at his consistency through the years of his strength, even when he was doing like wrestling, he's still a fucking animal. You know what I mean? There was no peaks and troughs or anything for like decades. Um, Is this American TRT strength though? It could be American TRT strength. Yeah, you're right. Do you know what I mean? You're the old American. My doctor gave me its strength. It could be. It could be doctor given strength. Yeah. Because Ronnie you Coleman know. always said he had like four months off, and I don't believe that ever in a million years. <laughs> well, Ronnie that. Coleman on Joe Rogan podcast just used to get D-ball and shit off his doctor, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking some of them took fucking the Americans. What was it? CT Fletcher, and that was the same one. It odd. Oh, the doctor, what Joe Rogan said something, he went, yeah, Decker, and he went, what, so you took it? He went, my doctor, give me it. And you're like, ah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely medication, medication, mate. They're raged, aren't they? They're absolutely raged. What's he called on YouTube? That uh, Oh, he's a big fucking YouTuber. Oh, I can't remember his fucking name, but he owns that Zoo Culture gym, if you've heard of that. Yeah. Um, and he's actually opened a, behind Zoo Culture... He's opened a fucking TRT clinic. Um, so he fucking apparently what happens is the the athletes that go there, he, he makes them, he takes some it to drop your test, and then he'll blood test you and be like, oh, you need fucking TRT, mate, and then and then pop you on a prescription test because obviously they've got to get around it in America because it's illegal as fucking it. So it's a bit different to over here where you can just fucking ring up fucking Barry and ask him to drop your vial off. Yeah, it's like it's like weight cutting and the UV drips and that. Fuck me, oh, in America and that, it's massive, that sort of stuff, lads. I've, I've never I've never done any drips and that after weight cuts and that because I've never needed to, but like I've, I've seen some of the 105s and that and you see them the next day. And you the Andrew Clayton? Yeah. 
He, he dropped from about 125, didn't he? To 105. And you're like, and you see them the next day after 24 away, and I'm like, what the fuck is yeah, going he, on? He, when, he, when, he, when he won 105 World, he documented his uh, weight cut on this story. It was fucking really interesting, actually. And he was just dropping, dropping, dropping. And then he was like, a video of him on IV. And then he was like, right, I'm back at 115 now, like fucking three hours later or something. And then the next day he was like 120. And then I think it was like a two-day comp. So by the second day, he was back to like 125. Um, bigger than some of the fucking open lads. It was uh, mental, isn't it? Yeah. It's absolutely mental. We can talk about this sort of stuff for hours because like, I've got big views on this sort of stuff where like, I always think that, like, views might not agree with me, but I always think as a lightweight competitor, you should be doing your world world records and records at that weight. But that's just me. That's just, that's just my personal opinion. That's not me taking anything away from anyone else. I always think records should be set if you say you're under 90, that record should be set on the day that you weighed in. But that's just what I think, personally. Or, or weigh in after the lift. Yeah, weigh in after the lift. That'd be fine by me. Yeah, I mean, I look at it two ways, which is, I think that, like, if you did it, as long as it was set in stone and it was always the fucking same, Yeah, I don't think it would make much difference, to be honest. Um. I think the rep. I mean, I think the pe- the same people would still hold the records, but I do think they'd lift a little less mm. because you'd have to be even. You'd have to be even lighter, really, wouldn't you? Like for me, when I compete at ninety, I walk around to ninety five, yeah, and, I, and I'll cut to ninety, and I'll be ninety five on the day. Yeah. Whereas if I had to walk around at ninety, weighing at ninety after the lift, I'd probably drop my strength a little bit with 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 the weight loss. Um, so I think as long as it, but the only, I guess the only problem with the day before weigh-ins is there's so much room for manipulation where people can be like hundred kilo when they're doing a 90 record or something. Yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit like, I, I always understand the half a kilo to a kilo. Um, if you ever done a Bob Dagley's, <laughs> a Bob Dagley's qualifier, you know, his scales vary between three and four kilo. And Bob said to me once, he was like, well, there's a nine in it, so... Uh, it's a, it's what, a, what is it? Bob, fuck it up. Bob, I feel a little bit overweight. Ah, don't worry about it, it'll be all right. I'm like, oh, <laughs> hell, will it? Yeah, I got on the hell. scale. I got in the scale. I got on the scale fully clothed. I knew I was I knew I was 89, but I got on the scale fully clothed, and I had a fucking bag on my shoulder, and I was like, 94. And he went, well, there's a nine, and then ticked me off. I was like, Bob... <laughs> I said, Bob, I fucking, I said, I fucking cut weight here. I said, I'm weighing in properly. I said, I fucking, I said, I'm fucking dying. I said, I need to prove I've made weight. So, and General was next to me kicking off. He's not fucking weighing in at 94. I said, I'm not 94. I said, I got a bag on my shoulder. I was like, mm. so I weighed in at 89, but he was trying to fucking, I think he just, I've made weight every year for like four years. So I think he was just like, oh, he's fucking, he's got a bag on his shoulder. I'm sure he's under 90, but. 99.9. Oh, that's a zero next to that. I think it says, yeah, it does. It does. I haven't got my glasses, but it does. <laughs> right, lads. I'm going to have to wrap it up there because we'll be fucking on all afternoon and uh, but just want to say thank you and for everybody listening if you already don't don't listen to Dale's stuff on uh, his Instagram like uh, his interviews um, what do you call it strength chat or what, what do you call it what do you call it where you do your interviews I listen to him I'm all uh, oh, oh sorry mate talking to me um, talking strength Talking strength. So, so yeah, it's brilliant because like I, strength I mean, talk. 
strength talk. So we, so we look at the, if we if I analyze the, the amount of listeners on our on our podcast, the ones where we have guests are like where, where it spikes up, people get drawn in by the guests. So the great thing about Dale Strength Chat is he's always got brilliant guests on. Um, so just go onto his Instagram, have a have a look, and there's loads of interesting stuff on there. Um, I think talking to Ollie Thompson tomorrow about MMA and strongman, the transfer over, and he's going to talk about some some of the old school strongman competitions you went to. Where I'll give you a quick one, sorry, where he basically was competing against Mikhail Kaklaev and the day before, and he just took him to a gym and just proved to him that he could overhead squat 180 kilo raw, just for a bit of banter. Okay. I uh, I follow Ollie Thompson. I followed because because I'm a big MMA fan. Me, I fucking loved it for like years. I, I follow I followed his transition over to uh, MMA. So yeah, I've got him on in the morning. So he's he's good crack as well. He's a funny lad. Funny lad. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't know you knew Ollie. That's that's crazy. Yeah, well, lie. He's bang on. He's he's funny. He's gonna t- talk to me about. Um, he used to always call us the Northeast Mafia with Eddie Elwood and Darren Sadler and all them. He's gonna talk about all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Right, nice. So I listen to that. I like. I like that. That's. I didn't know. That's. That's cool. Yeah, I, f- I follow a little bit of a fanboy. Actually, I think maybe I think I'm. I think I'm a fanboy now. I listen. Good crack he is. <laughs> so, so Dale, if there's, uh, I've said to you, if there's anything that you'd like to use, you like any any kit or any equipment that I've got that you want to use for any of your comps going forward at any point, like you can. Yeah. Appreciate. Right. It. Really right. appreciate it. Right. Cheers, lads. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye. See you, boys.